Welcome everyone to Davos Fingers episode 93! Good Queen Alisan, I am still Scatty, and with me as always is my buddy Matt. Still here too guys, in this episode we continue our coverage of the rule of, man, King Jaehaerys and the good Queen Alisan Targaryen. We're covering in this episode more material from Fire and Blood. In particular, Jaehaerys and Alisan, their triumphs and tragedies. That's the name of the chapter, uh, specifically page 253. Then we're moving over to the chapter called The Long Reign, uh, all the way to page 302. So in short, we're covering the material covered in pages 253 to 302. Yeah, which I don't know if that's the same as the soft cover, which just released, I think. Which just was announced, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, uh, figure it out. Welcome back, Matt. We're back from a, a quick Christmas break. Uh, just yeah. took a little week or so there. Mm-hmm. Be with our families. How was it for you? It was very nice. Uh, took took the last like two weeks off from work. The last two weeks of the year, mm. um, and we, we didn't travel or anything. We just kind of did stuff around here: museums, trampoline houses, uh, built forts, Nerf wars. You went ice skating on the day I saw you. Ice skating, yeah. yes. Uh, we got a little family of ice skaters now. Big surprise, eh? Yeah, it is. Yeah. My boy plays hockey, and then my older boy, he's decided he wants to just ice skate. He doesn't want to play hockey, and he doesn't want to be a, like a figure skater. As we will discuss later in this episode, but also last night. Yep. <laughs> Whatever they're into, man. Whatever they like to do. I'm just happy he's into something. But maybe we'll maybe we can do like yeah. speed skating or something. Or maybe Absolutely. we can take the skates off, keep them on the ice and do curling. Mm, curling would be That's actually a great idea. Curling would be fun. There's no skates though. Of... You don't even wear skates for curling, do you? No, no. You take off the skates, we'll put on the shoes and keep them on the ice though. And give him a broom, that and that joke. might get you, you know, some other side benefits. You heard the joke about like last, uh, the last Winter Olympics about the U.S. men's curling team, how they looked like a bunch of dads that just kind of <laughs> happened upon the Olympics. <laughs> I think I do remember that. Yeah, they're not your uh, typical traditionally athlete. athletic, physiquing looking guys, but. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. What about you, man? Uh, good, good. Same, same kind of thing. I be just because of the way the holiday fell, I ended up uh, taking taking a few days off and getting yeah, basically like ten days off in a row or something like that, which was super nice. Again, yeah, didn't do a whole lot. Just kind of hung out around the house and with family. My sister came and visited from uh, the land of port, and um, and we got some time with her and. Uh, got to read her her new Deadpool comic, oh. which uh, did you guys know she's writing Deadpool? Ah. Pretty cool. First one was pretty great. She's got a. I sometimes I wonder whether like she'll have a good voice for, you know, the characters that she's writing. But when she announced Deadpool, I was like, oh, yeah, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be perfect for her voice. So, uh, and it, the. It really is. She's such a, she's got, it's so funny to read her stuff and yeah. uh, I can't wait to see her voice Deadpool uh, or read it. I, I'm excited. It's good. Yeah. It's, uh, I got the first, first issue. I think the second one actually probably is out. I'm going to go check that out. But uh, I got the first issue. It's pretty, it's pretty good. Very funny. Um, 
just the the physical things you can put Deadpool through uh, because of his insane regeneration is just <laughs> it lets you do so whatever you want almost. <laughs> mm. um, so uh, anyway, a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, I didn't do a ton. Uh, got a bunch, a bunch of books. Already been through one of them. A little hatred by Joe Abercrombie. If you guys are are uh, interested in in finding something new to read, it's the first book of a, of a series, and it's really good. I really liked it. Some different style of writing. He just he has this way of dropping these little, I call them just truth bombs. They're you're just kind of reading along, reading along, and it's normal. And like, bam, he hits hmm. you with just some random thought from a character, and you'll get one every. You know, I don't know. 20 pages or something where it's just like whoa truth about life and society uh pretty pretty great writing i really enjoy it good Uh, and then i started up on uh our friend bucks or buckley's uh great castles of westeros which i got as well yeah but uh yeah a lot of time reading and relaxing um saw star wars obviously right on that note Yes, on that note, our Rise of Skywalker review is out and free for the public. It's on our Patreon site, but it's available to anybody. You don't have to be a patron to, to listen. So check out our site, patreon.com forward slash Davos Fingers, and uh, it'll be right there near the top. Yep. And uh, you can check out our Rise of Skywalker preview. So give it a look. Yeah, we had a lot we had of fun a lot doing of fun. it. Yeah. yeah. Typical Davos Fingers. Just, uh, film to get fingers is uh, is cats, right? Kits, kits. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know what? I would do it. it. Our friend, uh, our our (laughs) wonderful, wonderful longtime blood rider and dear, dear friend, Tanaris Targaryen uh, is her name on Twitter. Just a beautiful, beautiful soul and uh, recommended that we do cats. (laughs) And somebody followed up with do it high, which... Yes, I might take them up on that as well. It might be the only way but to do if it, I, man. If I do, you might need to rein me in on the review. <laughs> uh, it would just—it would be fun. Indeed. Uh, okay. Uh, also, speaking of Patreon, uh, our our patrons, uh, those uh, at the ten dollar and up level, will be getting the Patreon hangout coming up. Uh, look for that announcement through through Patreon. We'll be uh, sending that out very shortly. Uh, we have a date in mind and picked and a time and everything. Just going to send that out. So keep on the lookout. And those of you that are there that want to be part of the Hangout, you know, just bump up your pledge a little bit and you can get there if you're not. And uh, check out our campaign if you're interested. Yeah, love to have you. be a dream come true to sit and chat with you for a bit. Yeah. Um, so as you know, Scad and I... What's next, Matt? We've... Man, things were just going so beautifully as we were moving through the A Song of Ice and Fire series. We were just able to go five chapters, then the next five chapters, then the next five chapters, chapters, and we can't do that anymore. So, as you know, we've yeah. we've read The Night of the Seven Kingdoms. We're now we've read some of the novellas, additional novellas, and transitioned into Fire and Blood from there. And we've only got this episode and one more until we've completed Fire and Blood in our own convoluted order. And uh, what's next for us? Well, what's next for us is diving in to some of the material covered in the world of Ice and Fire. Specifically, Scad? 
Yeah, specifically, we're going to start actually near, like, right at the very end for the section called The Bones and Beyond. Because, of course, we're starting at the end. <laughs> because, of course, we would start at the end. What else would we do? Um, I mean, it, you're right. It, it sounds silly. But the reality is we don't want to bite off a whole new series because, depending on if the winds of winter may blow, we want to be ready to jump right into that. Um, right. And you guys can play this back and laugh at us in years when it's not out or something. But um, we want to just kind of pick and choose spots that we haven't really hit much uh, in the main series or through Fire and Blood from the world book. And we think the Bones and Beyond, which is about Shy and uh, you know everything east of those east of the mountains over there. Yep, Yt Jogos Nai, the Isle of Lang, all those was up places. in the main series rarely in fire and blood uh and we haven't really been able to talk about it even with each other at all if you were to be able to do a, a control f on every transcript of our podcasts all our 93 of our episodes i can almost guarantee you the name lang as in the isle of lang has never it's probably it's probably true yeah it's a, it's a good bet this is exciting this yeah. is exciting. Um, but yeah, so so we're not going to try to like completely cover the world of ice and fire in large part because a big portion of a world of ice and fire is Targaryen history, which we've, we're dishing covering up with covering with fire and blood. So what Scad and I are going to do, like he said, is we're going to we're going to select topics that are of interest to us that maybe we haven't covered as in as in depth as we'd like to. And we'll uh We'll let you know beforehand which ones we're covering. So if you want to catch up too, you can. Yeah, I mean you got three weeks to to read it and catch up, you know, yeah. in between. But we'll make sure to get, we'll try to get two or three episodes ahead so we know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, no promises, but we'll try to do that so you guys can be ready. Mm -hmm. Have the silos loaded. Yep. All right, uh, I'm excited for that, Matt. I'm real. I'm Me really too. Excited I think it was a good choice. I feel good about it. We've debated a lot, yeah. lot of different things over the last few months as we've kind of scraped the, the, the bottom of the proverbial barrel. Yeah, we almost pulled the trigger on a Lord of the Rings reread, but in the end, we we wanted yeah, to stay. Yeah, I, I read the whole thing. You did yeah. in August. You did just to like get ready and see if we thought that it would be a good fit and everything. And after we read it, I read, I only read fellowship uh, during the amount of time that Scad read the whole thing. <laughs> and we're both, we came back from it kind of like, <laughs> mm. it's great. I love it, mm. but uh, I'm just not quite ready to leave the world of ice and fire yet. Westeros and beyond. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's also been covered to death. Uh, not that I was like, well, well. and fire, I guess, hasn't, but anyway. <laughs> well, all right, moving on. So, you're probably used to our format by now. Uh, now that we're away from the main series, kind of anything goes. All we're there's no no spoilers anywhere. We're just we cover whatever we want. There's no Davos after dark. So, if you're at all interested in saving yourself for the main series that you for some reason haven't read yet, go read it. Uh, we're going to cover everything and everything here. So, Yep, and if you want to contact us about anything, uh, you can always reach us in a variety of places. Our website is davosfingers.com. Our email address is wearedavosfingers at gmail.com. Our Twitter, Twitter handle being at davosfingers. We are on Facebook. And as Scad mentioned before, you can learn more about our Patreon program at patreon.com slash davosfingers.
That's right. You ready to dive in, Matt? Let's let's get this thing started. Let's roll. The rule of Jaharis and Alisan got off to a bit of a rocky start with disagreements about their wedding and the surly relatives left and right, but they kind of settled into a nice little ruling rhythm. Then, of course, the year of the stranger opened its maws for a quick little bite. Uh, many deaths later and other tragedies, including the theft of three dragon eggs, the gruesome and mysterious death of Aerea, the further estrangement of their sister Reina, and the death of their mother Alyssa Valerion, it was it was a rough patch there uh, for a little bit. But it's not all doom and gloom. As the realm was prosperous, growing at an alarming rate, a couple heirs, things are going well for the Targaryens, kind of overall. And now we come to our episode today, the Good Queen Alysanne. So, let's start with the first section here called Veiled Threats in Public Fountains. However, there is in this city a certain guild, let us say, whose members are very skilled at their chosen profession. They could not destroy King's Landing nor fill its streets with corpses, but they could kill a few. A well-chosen few. Well, that's ominous. When we last left, Aria had just died of her mysterious wounds during her extensive trip abroad somewhere with Balerion. Uh But her mother wasn't there when she died, having gone off on a wild goose chase to find Aria, and not having any Aria, and not having any luck, she ended up kind of landing in Estremont, where she has a friend from her past life. Uh, and that's where she got the news. But by then... Area was already dead. Remember, that happened pretty quick once she landed in King's Landing on the back of Balerion. So late for... Uh, Rayanna was late for her mother's death, and now late for her child, or missed it completely, uh, elects to scatter Area's ashes on the winds, as she had always just wanted to fly. Rayanna rejects all offers of hospitality from her brother and sister, uh, from all the normal spots, turning down King's Landing, Dragonstone, and even a return to her friend at Estermont. Instead electing to spend her remaining days in a bit of a weird spot, the cavernous Harrenhal, even making friends with the boy resident uh, of, of Harrenhal, end of his line, Magor Towers. So, before the end, uh, she lived solitary and peaceful. She allowed travelers in for a meal, but offered them no comfort or company. And most people, to be honest, kind of feared her as a witch. So she flew to Old Town once a year to visit her daughter, Rayella, she never stopped writing Dreamfire. When she died, Aegon had this to say, which we'll quibble about later, perhaps. My brother Aegon died at the hands of our uncle in battle beneath the god's eye. His wife, my sister Rayna, was not with him at the battle, but she died that day as well. Anywho, on to happy news. You mocked me <laughs> once! Never do it again! <laughs> on to happy news. I died that I day! I died that day! As you wish. Oh, my sweet Wesley, what have I done? <laughs> okay, I'm done now. For real. Rodents of usual size? I don't think they exist. <laughs> Daenerys the Eldest was a wild child running amok around the city on a broomstick, pretending it was a dragon. Aemon was a serious, cautious boy. Careful, obedient, curious. Balon, two years younger than Aemon, though, followed him everywhere, always trying to do what his brother did. He was bold, brave, and honestly a little bit mad. Uh, the first time he met Balerion in the yard, he smacked him on the nose. 
But anyway, despite their differences, they were close, uber close. And they love their sister to death as well. And she, them, it's, you know, it's just a happy little family, man, is what it looks like. Also in 57 AC, Miles Smallwood is dismissed for being an ineffective hand, and Septon Barth promoted. This time, Jaharis refused to take no for an answer. You may remember that when Smallwood was picked, they didn't really have a good candidate. They kind of racked their brains for a bit, and Jaharis' first pick was Barth, but Barth himself kind of talked him out of it, uh, saying he, you know, he's of low birth and you know wouldn't be a good idea, and people wouldn't accept him and things. But this time, Jaharis is like, "No, dude, you're it." And this time, Barth doesn't refuse. And he wastes no time in getting to work. He heads to Bravos immediately to discuss the matter of the three missing eggs. The Sea Lord of Bravos is not threatened. While not admitting he has them, he asks if the rightful owner of these supposed eggs can even show proof of ownership. His grace can show you proof of dragons, says Septon Barth. Choosing to speak plainly, the Sea Lord indicates that he knows that Bravos is no match for dragons, nor in the long run his army. Uh, there, uh, Jaharis' army, that is. But he can have a small number of well-chosen few killed by, uh, killed by his skilled guild here. These assassins can get by hired knights or any number of other, though instead to trade, uh, instead, of, instead of trading threats, they're going to trade goods or services or money. And they do. Barth agrees. Mm-hmm. So they kind of agree to trade three stones, quote, air quote, stones, never admitted to be dragons or eggs, uh, for the forgiveness of the entirety of the principal outstanding on the loan to the Iron Bank. Yeah. Huh. Interesting fair trade question mark? I don't know. Uh, we'll dive in. We'll dive into that. Uh, Jaharis, for his part upon the return of Barth, just doesn't want them to become dragons. If it if they do, it will be war. Loan forgiveness or no. He's like, if they become dragons, we're taking them down. But he's happy to have the money. Uh, having it allows he and Rego Draws to divert it to uh, a couple pet projects in King's Landing. First, a sewer and drain system to remove waste from the city, and a public fountain system to provide clean water to the public to drink. Uh, Alisan providing the necessary motivation to get the measures approved by providing the council with tankards of King's Landing city water to drink to the council there. They, of course, took one look and would not drink them, but approved the drain system and the water pipes. And uh, that, Matt, is the end of this section. Well, 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 what a nice thing for him to do. Yes, what a nice thing to do. And eh, way to go, out of that poo water if we can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're going to save money in the long term on health care with not having to deal with the sick people. I guess they just yep. let their sick people die in the city. But anyway. <laughs> bring um, out your dead. Bring out your dead. There you go, Chase. That's a Monty Python reference. <laughs> there you go. I don't yeah. know, but you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not dead yet. For us. Yep. Yeah, Chase is keeping count somewhere. Oh, jeez. When's your next run? Thursday. <laughs> it's the little. It's those. It's those little ones that really make it, right? <laughs> Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> he says he's not dead. He'll be stone dead in a moment. Uh. So good job, Alisan, pushing that through. Uh, it's all. I feel like it's always. You know, like maybe J. Harris has like the, uh, you know, the good stately uh, presence of, of getting things done and, and the good ideas and uh, willpower to push it through. But it's Alisan that provides like the little flair to make it happen, right? The little the, the oomph. Yeah, know, absolutely. Stories that make it all interesting. 
Alisan, mm-hmm. one of my favorites. Love reading about it. Me too. Uh, you want to talk about this uh, this trade with the eggs and the Sea Lord and stuff? Yeah. Well, what do you got? Barth bent the Sea Lord over. I love it. You think? Half the crown's debt wiped out. I love that. Yeah. As 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 an adulting man who has found himself in debt, you know, mortgage and car payments and stuff like that, wiping out half of that. Whew, yeah, I mean that's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, as long as the eggs it's, don't hatch. It's, yeah, exactly. That's that's the thing, right? So it's 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 almost like a gamble, right? The Sea Lord feels like he's betting that eventually these things are going to hatch. But again, then you have to think, right, well, that's yeah. not really going to work either. Because if they hatch, they're little babies and can't do anything. And Jairus yeah. will just come, Go barf. you know, fry, fry him up some Bravosian breakfast, right? So it feels like a lose-lose to me for the Sea Lord. Yep. It's a lot of money he gives out. A lot of money? I don't know how much of that money he gets screwed. If they don't hatch, he just lost a bunch of money. So I don't know where his... Unless he thinks that he can sell them for more money than he's forgiving. Or, or I guess, sell him sell them for more money than the percentage that he, of that loan that he's getting. Right. It's a weird thing. I don't, I don't know how that relationship between the bank and the Sea Lord exactly works. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I that that didn't hit me until right now. Is can does the Sea Lord have authority to forgive debt on behalf of the bank? Bravos seems fishy. Or is he putting up his own collateral to do it? Like, I don't know. Whoa, I don't know. Yeah, it's hmm. it's interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. It's it seems like he would not have that power. Yeah, I would think not. But I don't know. Maybe he's got guys on the inside or something. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. It's. It seems like he would not have that power. Although, otherwise, it's very easy. Yes, <laughs> I will forgive a debt that I don't own, and I will keep these eggs. Yep. Which I will then sell for a tidy profit. Yep. To Illyrio. Who? What? Illyrio. Someone else. Hello. Wait a second. Interesting. What? That's 200 years from now. Uh, what else you got here? What do you think of uh, Alisanne not really wanting Amon and Daenerys to marry? It seems like the right thing to uh, to do, right? They're of an age with each other. They're the two oldest kids. Well, I mean, she might think that if they get married that they wouldn't really co-rule and that Amon would kind of take over and be the king, or that that's the way people would perceive it. And so maybe she's really trying to fight for the, you know, the progressive, right. no damn it, she's first and she should be queen. Yeah, and if she can marry, I know there's the whole thing about keeping the blood pure and everything, but you're exactly right. Amon, even though she's older, if the two of them get married, Amon's the king. But if, say, I'm just pulling a name out of a hat here, if she or a Baratheon. If she were to marry a Baratheon or a Lannister or a Hightower or something like that, she as the Targaryen would unequivocally be the queen, the ruler. And uh I wonder if well, Alisanne I, I think Alisanne thinks that. I don't know if the population would agree. But and Jaharis Jaharis from day one considers Aemon the heir, so I'm not sure he would agree either. Yeah, Jaharis would absolutely not go for it but for alice ann 
I think that's what she's sort of pushing for. And I think that's why she's making such an effort. Part of the reason she's making such an effort is Queen. I think she also wants to do a good job, but I think she's also very progressive, as you said, very forward thinking. And she's thinking, I can set the precedent now for what a queen can do as a ruler in the hopes that one day my daughter can take it to even the next level. You know what I mean? And I do. And that's a really good point. Give women a fighting chance in this society. Which they've had so much of before. Yeah, it's a really good point. I, I think sure that the work that she's doing to try to move that bar forward is to maybe not have them married because she knows what would happen if they do. And Jaharis is more like he's got time on his side, right? He's like, ah, it'll be fine. Let's just let it play out. Mm-hmm. They'll get married. It'll be you know, it'll be it'll be fine. Right. Spoiler: They spoiler. Neither of them have to worry about it. Right. He's so funny. Oh, there's some things with this guy. Later on in the chapter, he's like, Rhodes, dang it. Uh-huh. I don't see Rhodes, and I want to have Rhodes in Westeros. Yeah. But when yeah. it comes to his children, he's like, let's just see what happens. <laughs> Maybe that's not fair, but... Uh, it's not It's well, not unfair. More on I'll that later. More on that later, I promise. Because <sighs> i got some bones to pick. Uh, what else you got? Uh, I think we, we, we got some, uh, I think we got, uh, quite a bit of Rayana stuff. What, uh, what do you think about Rayana here? I tell you what, Skad, we've been critical ever in the past. I've been critical ever in the past. I'm, I'm not glad how she turned out, how things turned out for her is what I should say. Um, and I don't know that I'm sad either, but I am a little sad. She's, <laughs> and I'm only s- sad because she, 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 from a very end, like it took her so long to finally find peace, right? And I wish she could have found that peace sooner. Um, so. And however that that piece needed to be, I feel like she, for whatever reason, she got behind the eight ball on things um, and she was just never able to quite to quite catch up with herself and catch up with the people around her. And she was always chasing um, and that led to her. She 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 had a lot of things ripped Mm. from her from her husband to the very selfless act that she carried out with her babies in giving them up to, to protect them early on to, you know, Alyssa Farman later on to the betrayal by, by her husband. And we of course talked about both sides of that mm-hmm. uh, an episode or two ago, she but regardless as well. Yeah. Right. There was so much that she just kind of had going against her that she, she, she She never really had time to recover. It led to her kind of holding on to things a little too tightly. Uh, I found it interesting that she fully recognized that she said about Erea, she hated Dragonstone. She wanted to fly, which was her reason for for not wanting to inter um, Erea's ashes at Dragonstone but to take them up into the air, as you mentioned, and, and cast them to the wind. Um, she recognized Araya's yearning for freedom, 
yet at the same time she was unwilling while Araya was alive that desperation to hold on to something and it was her daughter um in the end she ended up kind of constricting her rather than uh yeah rather than what she i think deep in her heart meant to do so man it's it's tragic yeah. uh but I don't know. Do you think she was able to find peace in the end, Scad? Okay, so interesting. So I think I disagree a little bit. And here's here's where here it's hard to articulate. Here's what I think. Think so. Rayna didn't have a great life. I think her child was so was okay. She found out she loved riding the dragon. She um, mar- got married. Uh, you know, and I think. It seems like that marriage was okay. Mm-hmm. We don't get a ton of details on it. Um, you know, we hear this from from Aegon about she died the day uh, that that Aegon did. We could, sorry, we hear that from Jay Harris. Um, but I feel almost like this is the real Rayana. The real Rayana is the detached loner, the one that wants to be alone and live that life, and the Rayana that is late that is showing up to Aerea after she's already died and not there for her, that, she, that misses Alyssa's death as well. Um, the one that's playing nice with the, trying to play nice with the family isn't the real Rayana. The real Rayana is the loner, is the one that not married and, you know, this kind of traditional Targaryen life that they want her to lead. And the real problem is that she's struggling to do both when, you know, really she got into the wrong life from the beginning okay you said loner but then you talked about her wanting to be with friends so my comeback to that was going to be well what about all the time she was surrounding herself with friends so i guess what do you mean by by loner yeah loners uh, i don't mean loner uh not a traditional lifestyle not not a i'm going to get married i'm going to have all my targaryen kids we're going to be in the, the royal lifestyle we're going to you know, contribute to the Targaryen dynasty, all of those traditional things that they want her to do, that they set her up to do in her life, mm-hmm. that's not who she was. And... Oh, I can 100% agree with that. I, I mean, the Alyssa Farman stuff is is plenty, I, I think, of ammo f- for that perspective, right? But you're feeling that she she felt obligated to do, to, to live that lifestyle because... Right. That's what you're expected to do. Yes. She felt obligated to and pressured to, and she was late all the time and not fulfilling that in a good way because she was doing it in response to something outside of herself. It wasn't what she wanted, right? She she was pressured into feeling like she should be doing those things, but it's not what she wanted to be doing. It wouldn't surprise me to hear that she didn't even want kids, Right? It wouldn't surprise me to hear that she never wanted to get married. It wouldn't surprise me to hear, you know, anything about her that kind of takes her away from the the standard Targaryen life they want her to live. And so when she's, you know, late for Alyssa's Alyssa's death because she's doing these things, right? So it's, I, I feel like, I feel like Jay Harris doesn't know her at all. When he says she died that day as well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that wasn't her birth that day in, in a small way. Okay. I will, I see what you're saying. I don't know if I agree with you. Uh, I will contend with that by saying then that 
if Jaharis didn't know herself her very well, I don't know that she knew herself very well either. Yeah, I I mean I think that's fair. There's almost like this her it's hard for us to recognize our primal not primal nature, but who we really are. And and that's a beautiful moment yeah. when you become truly self-aware, right? Um and and I don't know maybe she did get to that point after Ray and stuff, but leading up to it I I don't know that she did because Raina and and people are going to love what you're saying, Scott. I can already tell you that our listeners are going to absolutely love what you're saying. That's the Um, only reason I did it. And they're not going to love what I'm saying. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's not, I, you're not petty like that. I'm not trying to insinuate that at all. I'm trying to compliment you. Stop it. Um, (laughs) And I, and I still, what do I want to say about Raina? I'm not trying to dog on her just for dogging sake. I just don't quite see it because she did love the, she got, she would get so jealous and it seemed like she loved being large and in charge. And it's almost like you, 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 the, the having your cake and eating it too. She, you know, yeah. and you can't have that both. And so that's where I can meet you in the middle and saying that, yeah, she was that way. That was her true nature. I can totally see what you're saying there. And I can totally agree with that. But I, I think it took her a while to to true over herself, which is okay because there's people I know who are much older than me who haven't figured themselves out yet, and I don't I don't even know that I've completely conf- figured out myself yet, right? Definitely, so that's okay. I definitely have not. Um, but but that's what I'll say. So I'll meet you in the middle there. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair place. I think I, I think it's less definitive than I was saying. I mean, I think she's constantly being tugged. But she's late because yep. she's making other choices that lead to a different lifestyle, that lead to that lead to not being there for your family, mm-hmm. and that's those are the choices that she feels like she wants to make. But oh, and, she's and, happy in the end. I doubt that. Yeah. And, and I think that's but, what it is. I I feel that way about things where I feel like I'm being tugged in so many different directions, and that's what I mean by my earlier comments about just feeling like she was never able to catch up or never able to pull herself out of it. Is that she, to do what she wanted to do? Because that's where true happiness is, is doing what you want and, and finding your true self and being your true self. But then no matter what that is, at least for me, you always feel that certain obligation to family and the people you love. And, you know, I always want to be the best son in the world to my parents, right? Even if I'm chosen things that they don't agree with or whatever, there's still a part of me that wants to make my parents proud, right? Or wants my siblings to like me and stuff like that. And when you're being tugged in so many different directions, it's easy to feel like you're just never quite good enough for any of those directions, that you can't completely commit to one, right? And so I think there's a little bit of that going on. And that's that's frustrating. And I feel that. Other people's expectations for you are difficult to live to live up to or to live down if you choose to ignore them. It's mm-hmm. difficult. Yeah. Right. And if you're like me, you can't completely ignore them. I think there's some people out there who can, but when it's someone who means a lot to me, who I care a lot about, some guy who's who's bagging on the Davos fingers jingles, I could care could couldn't care less now. But uh you know, if it's my dad, that's something else. Yeah. <laughs> if it's you, Scott <laughs> That's something else. If you were ever disappointed in me, oh boy. Oh, man. 
sackcloth and ashes. I can see that. I can see that. And I, I, I'm the same way. I feel very beholden to people. Uh, very, very much like I have to live up to what they expect. Um, I think, I think most of us probably do. Yeah. Tough thing to, tough thing to get through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? There you go, Reina people. Is that all right? Reina fans. Uh, I don't have a ton <laughs> more on this chapter. Uh, there was a little bit I didn't cover too much in the summary there about uh, just the little, the little, a little sliver of a conflict with Jaharis and Alisan uh, regarding the heir. Mm. Um. Alisan wanting Daenerys to be the heir. She's elder. Yeah. But Jaehaerys pretty much as soon as Aemon is born considers him to be the heir. Yep. And goes with, ah, it won't matter. They'll just get married anyway. Uh-huh. And, I, well, I don't, it's, uh, I don't know that it's, oh, people are going to hate it. Uh, <laughs> Jaharis and Alisan, I love them, but I, we've talked about it before in previous episodes a little bit. I, I feel like their parenting is a little bit, just kind of a little bit fatalistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked about it'll it. It'll be mm-hmm. fine. They'll figure it out. It'll be fine. It'll it'll take care of itself, mm-hmm. and you know. I, w- I w- anyway, wondered that this it. time. Yeah, Jaharis is, I was like, I wonder if he thought like, well, their childhood's nothing like what my childhood was like. So we're doing all right. They'll be fine. They've got it good. Yeah. You know? It's an easy thing to do to compare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was wondering about that. You, you already see these dissensions and everything with Alisan. I don't know if Alisan maybe wanted Daenerys to maybe have a clear, no questions asked claim to the throne. So she wanted her to marry someone other than her little brother because then like her brother would be king and she'd be queen. But could it be that Alisanne is like maybe thinking about Daenerys being the queen with like no king brother with her or anything like that? I Well, a little bit. I, I mean, I don't I don't know that she's against them getting married necessarily, but I think she's saying she's the heir. Mm-hmm. she's she's first she's 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 the one and if they end up getting married fine each other she's the heir right mm-hmm. and and where jaharis is just like no amon's the boy so yeah yep he's my guy and so all right well um so Dreamfire, uh the dragon kind yes. of forgot about what happened to him her uh, so I went and just reminded myself real quick and for our listeners, you probably do remember cause you all have better memories than me. Dreamfire lived on after Reina died, right? Ended up bonding with young Helena. Do you guys remember her? Hmm. But Vaguely. nothing came of that really. Cause Helena died young oh. and Dreamfire lived in the dragon pit for the rest of her days. Until she was killed during the collapse uh, or during the riots, the riots, riots. when she caused the collapse. So she killed, said that she put up more of a fight than any other dragon. So go Dreamfire. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. 
as she was killed during the storming and she was the one that like flew upwards and kind of banged her head on the ceiling of the dragon pit and caused mm-hmm. caused kind of the collapse so Ugh. yeah we, bar- we barely knew ye went out went out yeah. hard though dreamfire had a girl indeed large and in charge all right shall we shall we move on to the next section yeah unless you got something else nope i don't okay uh for the quote for the next section it says alisand tames the north mm-hmm. thrice i flew silverwing high above castle black and thrice i tried to take her north beyond the wall but every time she veered back south again and refused to go Never before has she refused to take me where I wished to go. I laughed about it when I came down again, so the Black Brothers would not realize anything was amiss. But it troubled me then, and it troubles me still. And it should. Should, young lady. Well, Sked, because I'm an expert on these things, everyone knows that to make it in the music industry these days, you got to have a whole lot of luck and you tour, tour, <laughs> tour, tour. Um turns out it's not all that different for kings and queens so jaharis and alisand made plans to take their show on the road in 58 ac specifically making stops up north uh, where the winter's cold and the icicles bloom like the bluest rose oh matt come on on how bad was that you just quoted your own song uh, shameless shameless so and they're planning a progress up north. Jahari sends his entourage ahead of him, and he plans for he and Alisand to catch up later by dragon. But life and politics had other plans. You see, the Prince of Pentos and the Archon of Tyrosh, two cities once again embroiled in a war, uh, are, are needing to meet together to try to hash this thing out. Jahari has a stake in this because this war of theirs is starting to affect the Westeros economy. So they're finally ready to talk and they need a mediator and who better than the conciliator himself. So Jaehaerys sticks around in King's Landing to mediate these peace talks amongst Pentos and Tyrosh and Alisan, along with the rest of the band and all the roadies head up north to uh, get things rolling. You know, Cher wouldn't have her sunny but, you know, it's Alisand. Does she really need him anyways? No. Um, Alisand's first show was to enormous crowds at White Harbor, where she was lavishly received and was able to do much of her favorite thing, her favorite thing being arranging marriages. Um, after some time there, she, she heads on to, you guessed it, Winterfell, where she was told she could await a cold reception from Alaric Stark, a hard, stern man, joyless and cold as stone. Indeed, upon arriving, Lord Alaric chided her for not bringing warmer clothing. He told her her dragon (laughs) absolutely couldn't come inside the walls of Winterfell. I'm not having that thing tracking its mud all over Winterfell. But as the text said, even Lord Alaric found himself helpless before Queen Alisand's stubborn charm, and he found himself warming to her in spite of himself. Back in King's Landing, let's just jump over there real quick. Negotiations are kind of like the second Hobbit film, excruciatingly slow with no ending in sight. Um, (laughs) So never one who felt compelled to wait, Alisand decides to continue on without her besieged husband, and... uh, Decides she'd uh, 
you know, perform a special live show up at Castle Black. So she goes up to Castle Black, a queen up at Castle Black. She was actually well-received by Lord Commander Lothor Burley and his men. And this is a bit of a surprise because many of those men were poor fellows and warrior sons who were sent up by the crown not that long ago. Um, but she she seemed to be perfectly safe and, and sound up there. She enjoyed eating their food, at least she said she did. She was introduced to a captive raiding party of wildlings. She, she took a hike through the haunted forest with a very, very well-armed escort and was taken on a personal tour of the wall, which, by the way, as Scat already said in his quote, Silverwing did not like. Uh, I won't read the quote again because Scat already did. I had it listed here. But long and the sort of it, whenever she would try to take her north beyond the wall, Silverwing wouldn't go. She, she just refused to go. Interesting. Let's talk about that a little later. Mm-hmm. And as she, as she did everywhere, Alisan won hearts. She listened to the men of the watch as she would any other house she visited, and she helped where she could. It became apparent that another castle was needed between Snowgate and Icemark, especially considering the dilapidated state of the night fort. So understanding the watch lacked coin, friggin' Alisan paid for the castle out of her own pocket. I mean, like literally her own jewels, right? And it took eight years, but eventually the castle uh, purchased with those jewels, well, the materials for the castle, called Deep Lake, was completed. A statue of Alisan was erected outside of its main hall. And uh, also in her honor, um, the Lord Commander renamed uh, one of the castles Snowgate to Queensgate. That was awful nice of him. Uh, but this wasn't even the most significant of Alisan's achievements up north, or maybe it is, depending on how you look at it. Uh, wanting to further listen to the women of the north north, like way up north where the winter's cold, uh, <laughs> she asked the Lord Commander, like, who can I talk to up here? Lord Commander looks around, like, well... Men over there. There's men over there. Uh, well, we've got this place called Molestown not far away where our guys go to get their jollies off. Um, he said he reluctantly offered up Molestown where there were indeed women, though, quote, most of them would be harlots. Uh, classic Alisan said she didn't care. And she went down to Molestown, proceeds to hold a women's court right there. And you know what she learned there? would have a major lasting influence on the uh, on the seven kingdoms at large but more on that in the next section um yeah Alison at the wall that was probably the most interesting part <laughs> I think of of that section uh, you said let's talk about it later let's talk about it now with Silverwing and not wanting to go beyond the wall. Right. So there's an important point to make, I think, is it? it's not that Silverwing, at least from what I'm reading here, can't go beyond the wall. It's that she won't go beyond the wall, right? Well, that's the language used. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we know. You know, we don't know the thoughts of the dragon. Right. Um, but it, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, uh, it wasn't like she ran up against the... Uh, 
the spaceship force fields in Independence Day or anything. I don't think it like jarred her and stopped mm-hmm. her. Something about is the impression I get. It's interesting. I mean, we we've always said kind of, well, yeah, the dragons will be key in the battle against the others, right? And it's like, well, maybe... Not if they're afraid of the freaking others. Right. Maybe the others are the key in the battle against the dragons. And I'm not making, you know, the old argument that the others are actually the good guys or anything like that. But more just about where the threat really is. Maybe the maybe the others are the real threat to the dragons instead of the other way around. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder. Or, or, you know, maybe it's both, really, is probably what it is. Um, mm-hmm. But, I don't know, do you have anything to add on it? Or is it... Just kind of what everyone's kind of already said, and right. I don't. I don't know that I have much to add. I'll, I'll just clarify what yeah. I said before about the dragons being afraid of the yeah. others. I don't know that it's that it's fear, but it's almost like perhaps they have this natural aversion, and they are the tops of their food chain. And dragons really in Westeros have nothing to be afraid of except for each other yep. as we'll find out when the dance starts and they or, don't seem to as be we've already afraid found of each out other either no <laughs> even yeah. when they should be they don't really seem to be that's true they kind of wade, that's true they because kind of wade right in even when they're out overmatched and yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's very true good point you don't see you know the smaller dragons turning away and fighting they'll 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 take on whoever uh, but here you see it turning away. So uh, that that will be interesting in the inevitable battle of ice and fire to not only see how Danny's dragons react to the others, if this even happens. I, it just seems like they're on this collision course. Um, taking anything that the show said aside, because a lot of that was dumb enough that I don't know that it could ever happen. Um and so when this inevitable battle of fire and blood happens, I'm interested to see how Danny's yes, dragons react aversion. and also right. how the others react right. to the dragons. Do they feel the same natural aversion, right? To where yeah. they kind of they kind of kind of take this moment where they're like, they're like hissing at each yeah. other, <laughs> you know, like ah, I don't like you make me feel yucky inside. <laughs> uh, yeah, can you imagine the others saying that to the dragons? You make me feel awful. I, I, I feel icky. The wall maybe was like a, you know, they talk about it as being like a magical barrier that the others can't get through, and going up is like a natural version. Like maybe the wall is meant to what meant to stop both fire and ice maybe it's meant to stop both sides i do not want you to brothers don't touch each other yeah maybe I say that to my kids almost right recently. just don't touch him there's three words <laughs> do you understand all three words then don't do it oh man we're so parents it's just like just you don't have to touch them yeah son you do not have to touch your sister at all you don't even have yeah. to be close to her. You don't even have to be in the same room as her, bud. They're like magnets, though, aren't they? They are. It's they like are. Zook. And they don't want to be. No. They piss each other off so bad. Yeah. Yet... Ugh. 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 So what we're saying is the wall <laughs> is just a is just a fed up a parent. parent. <laughs> Stay away. Holding both kids back. Arms extended to each side, holding the each child back by their foreheads. Yeah. Right? And and those children are the others and dragons. And meanwhile, the children are just getting more and more angry 
and their energy is their dark evil energy is just building up almost to the point of bursting and uh so who are the parents then uh, the children well of the forest i mean not the, the metaphorical children in your story that's a great question because yeah that comes back to what magic built the wall and I mean, the fact that it's a giant ice wall just in and of itself kind of leads me to believe that, like, the others built it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. But also just its location means that it would need to be, well, not need to be ice. I guess it could just be a wall, but. Eh. Right. Mm. Yeah, anyone could have built it. I mean, it was Bran, right? But with the with the children of the forest is the idea. Yeah. I think that's the idea of it, right? But I don't know because that's that's going to be the big question. I, that's the thing on this is I'm I'm also not completely on the side of the others are the good guys, but I'm not also not sure that the others are the bad guys, and yeah. I, at the same time I'm yeah. not sure that the children of the forest are the good guys, like that's what I love so much about this story is you just, there's not really, is you just, there's not really a ton of clear cut good guys and bad guys. And it's just figuring out, it's less about figuring out who's good and who's bad and more about figuring out what each side wants, what their motivations are. Yes. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure the others are not uh, a compassionate race. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but they do have, we've talked about this before. They have, you know, they're intelligent. They have understanding. They might have culture, you know, various types of culture, um, you know, within their society that we don't understand. And that's really where, that's where it all comes from, right? Misunderstanding mm-hmm. of other people's way of life. Now, I'm yep. not saying they're good either. I don't think that. But I, I think they're much more complicated than most people think than they are. Just bad guys. Um, you think it's going to come down in the end, though? The wall. I think so. Not the not the not the real world wall. The the wall in the book. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I I think that it's this. Yeah, I think so. It's too. this. It's this. Inev- it's this dam that's just there's pressure building on both sides, and yeah, you got the others obviously wanting um, to come south, and I think it's just gonna it's gonna come down. Yep. This little passage is george setting us up for something in fact this was a passage one of those passages that was released prior to the publication of the book uh the release of the book excuse me yes if i'm not mistaken right this passage was released interesting that they that they got it in there before television shows said that certain things so but i i do think that it's yep we're made to yeah. There's some trolling some in there premonitions. from George too. <laughs> I think on the show, the there was a something oh, yeah, where he sure. says it's not yep. a negligible distance from Winterfell to the Wall, not even flying. Um, she had to stop multiple times on the way. Uh-huh. Yeah, pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. We're that'll come up in our uh, next section, right? Right. Her. Well, it's not mentioned very much in Fire and Blood. It's more in the main series. That Alisand stopped and stayed at Queen's Crown a little bit, right? What became Queen's Crown? Tiny little village in the 
what became the new gift. Um, yes, she did. Yeah. Yeah, where Bran walks across the water with his friends on like the the little hidden causeway. Yeah, yeah, and that whole story is told. But uh, so so it's not it's it's a place where even on dragon she had to take her time getting up there. Yeah. What about the night fort? Uh, she she says there's a darkness there, a taste in the air. Anything right. gonna happen with the night fort? Is it gonna be like key to the wall coming down or something? Yeah, is that ground zero? Maybe. I think so. Maybe. Like, maybe the the others still have a hold there somehow, or the door down there is a weakness in some way. Um, We know that that, uh, Cold Hands is able to get Sam through, uh, through some means. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, do the others also kind of have a way through, maybe? Right. Some magical way. A darkness there. A taste in the air. I mean, I think we're talking more than just the rat cook here, right? There's got to be. And what's interesting about A Song of Ice and Fire is this isn't 100%, but but most of the 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 supernatural stuff is 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 tangible, right? It's it's the others. They're actual beings that you can touch and stuff. There's not a lot of like yeah. dark spirit stuff going on. You know, there's the there's the um, Piatri and everything over there across in the Nassos. So there is some of that stuff there. Um, And even then, we don't completely understand kind of what's going on. But there's not a lot of that stuff. But this feels very like dark, spirity, like shadow binding ghosts, ghostbustery, inhabiting a haunted castle type stuff. Uh, uh, this is the, the cave on Dagobah, right? Filled with the dark side. Um, yeah, it's something very creepy about it. That's not always, that doesn't play a huge part in George's storytelling. And that's what makes it more fascinating and what makes it puzzling too, because it's kind of unexpected. Um, and, and you wonder too, you know, the night fort, is it, you know, the night, that whole story with the night King, uh, way back in history only happened because they, they let them in. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's, they, they brought it with them, right. Just like Luke did. Well, the, the, the cave on Dagobah, it, it did have like a dark side manifestation of the force, but it would, at the same time, that, that could almost be like magnified by what you took into it with you, right? Okay. I'll believe you. You're, you're, you're more knowledgeable on it than me. Because Yoda said like, I, I don't remember the exact quote, I should, but he talks about how like that is strong with the dark side of the force or something. And then he does the, oh, yeah, that place is strong with the dark side of the force. And he calls it like a domain of dark, domain of evil or something. And then he's like, and you must go. Luke like, looks at him like, wait, you just <laughs> <Yeah>. told me? <laughs> I'm not going in there. And then he says, what's in there? And he says, only what you take with you. So it like almost twists your perceptions and, and stuff, it. yeah, and and takes what yeah. you take the baggage that you take in there with you. It takes it and twists it and 
makes it your worst version of yourself or something like that. I don't, I don't know, but, um, but the point is well taken that it's like, you're only as evil as you allow yourself to be. Right. So at what point did that all happen? What evil did you allow? And the Knights watch the same way in the parallel. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Scad Fashion. Mm. Uh, I have no patience for the free cities, Matt. Screw them. I, I mean, I honestly, I could not care. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure there are people listening. They're like, how dare you? But I could not care less yeah. about them. I'm not even sure I could point them out on a map. <laughs> if you gave me an empty map of Essos, I'm not sure I could. I'd probably get Volantis and and bravos but i like i'm not sure i'd get the rest of them i could do a re i'd, I'd maybe get at least you know at least is an island. i would get lease <laughs> and it's down lower yeah. right um yeah they're yeah, sure sure but screw them i just yeah. I just don't care. Like, I just don't care. There's nothing to root for on any of them except Sword of Bravos. Yeah. But yeah, they're awful. Screw them. No. I mean, I guess if it, maybe if we got characters from them, maybe we would care more. But I just don't. I let. It, I don't. I don't need to know. And the way the way George uses those the two of those cities as the things that keep Jaharis away is almost like trolling us as well to me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're going to keep him down here for this, this thing that no one cares about. Suckers. Yeah. Not, um, and, uh, they were, it said that he didn't see her for like six months. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Half a year. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine? Six months of negotiations. I mean, three stops, really, really, in, including travel time, right? So White Harbor, Winterfell, mm-hmm. and the Wall. If you imagine, you know, a month of that is travel in between, or something. And yeah, it's not that. It's not that stunning. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I you mentioned it in your summary. I love that Alisanne, in the face of of these hard personalities in the North, is. Her her main response is, "Ooh, single people I can make matches with." <laughs> I ran out of playing cards in the South. Now I get some new ones. Fresh. Mm, this is going to be magical. Yeah, it's noted too. It says it said someone there uh, as many as thirteen Blackwoods and twelve more. Uh, I think Allison says there's as many as thirteen, uh, or maybe that was somewhere else. I read that, but she talks about other houses keeping the old gods yeah they keep the old gods yeah but we don't get them anywhere i don't i think all we know is blackwoods and people suspect the royces but but i don't think we really know beyond that yeah i feel like maybe there's a couple but i should have done my homework on that and i mean i did and i couldn't find you couldn't any. find any i thought i, I remembered like some really maybe know. small houses that said that but... do, you, do you think uh do you think Big Alaric has uh, the right to be a little put off by Jaharis not showing up? Hmm. I don't know. Like, does he really want them up there in the first place? No, not really. But it's yeah. kind of like no. This just gives him. This just gives him an opportunity to gripe. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of that. 
Well, you told us the king was coming, so we were prepared for the freaking king, and now the king's not here? Awesome. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. This yeah. is great. But I also think that was before he really understood kind of the majesty of Alisan, yeah. right? So he's like, oh, great, we got the queen. Okay, well, just so you know, I don't dance, and we don't do that up here, so whatever. Yeah, she just charmed her pants <laughs> right off of him. I love and it. he had no idea uh, what he was getting into with and, that and, uh, and I, I, queen. I want to make so. sure we get our manderly discussion in because they're one of my favorite houses yep uh, yep centuries before is when they came up north we've known that for a while um yes so they've been there probably about as long as the targaryens have been on dragonstone maybe longer maybe longer yep isn't it surprising to you that no one would have like squatted on that prime real estate where white harbor is before <laughs> before 300 years ago these are the things i think about map making problems for 300 alex you know? <laughs> maybe they did and uh the starks cleared them out all right get out well, of there there was there there was the wolf den right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh which so we know somebody was there but like it seems like some house would have like put a friggin city there Especially with its, you know, its prime real estate right there. But yeah, that's what you I know, mean, right? For shipping and yeah, trade and, and all that. So. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, just a interesting thought I had while I was looking at the map. It is a good thought. Yep. Um, it's interesting with how uh, to see how the wildlings are viewed. We we got just a couple yeah, small glimpses, but. Alisan is so known for her inclusivity and was given to a manderly knight to foster. I, I feel like it's more of a slave type situation. They put her in what feels like the fighting pits of over in Essos and uh, have her fight people and everything and show off her skills and they fight Jonquil Dark and everything. And Alison doesn't seem to bat an eye. And you've got it up at the up at the wall where she sees this captured wildling raiding party, and she kind of, I don't know, I got the impression she looked at him almost like she was looking at animals in a zoo, and is like, "What's to become of them?" And the guys like, "Well, we're gonna chop their ears off and send them back, except for these guys, who've already got their was it their ears or their noses? I don't remember. They've already got their things chopped off, and so we're gonna kill them now. And that's like it." And I understand that there's stereotypes and everything, but I was, I was frankly, I, I, and I don't expect Alisanne to be perfect, but I was frankly a yeah. little bit surprised that she didn't the wildlings a little more. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. I have the same note, a similar note anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I guess that's where she draws the line. Right. The wall is People the line. Beyond the wall. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, did she see those wildlings before or after the note about Silverwing? It was before, but like yeah. just before. So, yeah. so at least in my summary, I have it listed as before. You could but, maybe argue that like it, it spooked her enough that she's like, oh yeah, there's something bad about those people living up there. <laughs> but, right. but no, I, I have the same note. It's like, why this, so this is okay. Right. First night, bad, terrorizing an entire group of people. Okay. Well, yep. Yeah. She's, she she challenges things right and left, but just because for centuries 
the wildlings have been the quote unquote yeah. enemy. And because yeah, the... you're right, it, it feels like, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, and it's, it's not like, I think George wants us asking those questions. Mm -hmm. It's like, why did he put it in there if he didn't want us thinking that way? He has her absolutely see them. And that's it. They're basically going to be butchered and uh -huh. do nothing. So he, he wants us, he wants us to think about it. Or he would have just and so part out. I guess I guess the lesson there is that or the the observation on humanity there is that you can see but you can still be blind right you can you can still be totally blind spots. Yeah. yeah blind spots that's a great way to put it right like you can be so open to to other people and certain other people I should say and their ways of life and stuff. Spots. But yeah. then there's others that you just close yourself off to them for whatever reason, yeah. because you're scared of them or you don't like them or them or, or you're scared about what you don't know or something like that. And I think we all do that. We don't give everybody a fair shake, right? I think that's the ideal or, or, is that you want to, Yeah. but we don't. Yeah. Or even, or even just like personality traits. Mm -hmm. right? Like maybe they seem like, you know, a perfect individual in all these ways, but guess what? You know, they never shower or, you know, like they, you know, like that's, I, I may, I picked a really tame one cause I don't want to like get too serious, but you know, they abuse uh -huh. their spouse or they, you know, like they can, they can seem like these perfect people, but we've all got these something. We've all got something that we're not proud of that like we don't do well or that's a blind spot for us. Right. We we've all got things, man. That's a, that's a Matt Facker song right there. It is. It <laughs> There's is. this guy who I work with. Can't say his name, but I've got a massive man crush on this guy, because he's he's absolutely gorgeous, Scott. Just like Keith Urban got a job at your company. toned. He he actually looks a little bit like Keith Urban. Jeez. Oh, I'll send you a picture of him. But... I don't. You know what? Keep that one for your personal. <laughs> In the bank, baby. He's got his great hair, toned body, dresses well, all this stuff. And dang it, if he's not the nicest guy you've ever met in your life, very genuine. Oh, I hate uh, those people. Very That's kind. my blind spot. He's freaking funny. He's a funny guy. He's witty. Uh, she has got a beautiful wife, beautiful daughters and everything. And so at work we joke around about how – He's got to have just like a micro penis or something like that. There's got to be. <laughs> I joke. I joke around about that with my my. Well, she's my sister-in-law now, I guess. Uh, my wife's brother's wife. Just that she's like she's too perfect. She's too nice. She's gorgeous. She's you know all these things, but she's just like too nice. And and her brother once pulled me aside. He's like, no. Oh man, she can be mean. I'm like, all right, okay. And you feel like relief after finding that, right? It's terrible. Uh, that's us, terrible people. I think the only other note I had on this section, we already talked about it, was the night for. Um, oh, I just noted that it's, uh, it, the night for is huge. It's this massive castle, and it just reminded me of Hall. Kind of interesting how, the bigger the castle, the the more ghosts it seems to have. But that's neither. I don't. Yeah. I don't have any like further observation to that other than making the connection. All right. Should we move on to the next section here? Yeah. All right. 
The quote for this uh, section I called First Night. I see no honor in any of this. I knew such things happened hundreds of years ago. I confess it, but I never dreamed that the custom endured so strongly to this day. Hmm. So, snap back to Jaehaerys. Back here comes a treatise. But is it really, though? Hmm. The, uh, the cities that I don't care about in Essos agree to an eternal peace, in quotes. <laughs> They, they only do it because Jaehaerys threatens them with dragons if they don't. He's tired of waiting also. He's so done. <laughs> so, but by the time they get back to their respective cities, the treaty is basically dissolved. Uh, so with that, Jaehaerys makes his way to Winterfell post-haste to try to catch up and make up for lost time. Alaric is in no mood, though, immediately taking him below to the crypts to show him his brother's dead fucking body Gosh. and place the blame at Jaehaerys' feet for releasing the stars and swords to the Night's Watch that caused the rebellion in the first place. You guys remember this? We covered it a few episodes ago. Um, the stars and swords, the, the poor fellows that got released to the wall, started a rebellion, basically, and uh, aided by a couple of Kingsguard as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what got Alaric's brother killed. So... Their relationship, Alaric and Jaehaerys, that is never really got better. Lucky for Jaehaerys, he still had he still had yep. Alisand. So she had Alaric wrapped around her little finger. She convinces him that the Night's Watch needs more land, and that he can convince the lords that own it that it's okay for them to give up that land for the Night's oh Watch. Oh my gosh! After that, they finish up their tour of the North with a few brief stops at Torin Square and Barrowtown before heading home on their dragons. So basically, Jaehaerys flies up there gets like condescended to about the north uh lets alisan work a little magic and then comes home yep the trip north for him is not not all that grand we all know too well if we've been if we've seen braveheart that of a young woman being taken by her lord on the first night of her wedding and raped by that lord it sours the relationship to the point of spousal abuse in this case that she's referring to um the woman is unloved and mistreated she flees her marriage and her city and anyone that she knows or loves uh, and heads to molestown to become a prostitute uh and and now really a truly broken girl and hers was not the only story it's just the one that alison told they debate it briefly uh and matt <laughs> you sent out a great tweet that kind of <laughs> summarized this a little bit uh we got some good reaction yeah. on but they debate it briefly Jaehaerys imploring others on the council the following points. That lords will revolt if this right is taken away. This is a right they've always had, and they don't like losing rights. Um, But that's that's argued back. What about the rights of the other men? They're men after all as well, and they'll be prone to violence if they suffer having their wives taken. Uh, He also says that, uh, or I think it's maybe one one of his council members says that, some consider it an honor to get a lord's bastard. Bastard. Oh boy. <laughs> Alisan insists there is no Man. honor in it. Trust me, I'm a woman. I know. Um, he even. <laughs> well, Sir Alban Massey suggests it's an old custom, so the old lords were considered to be heroes then. Maybe you don't consider it an honor now, but they used to be heroes when this thing was started. So if a child came from the first night, that family would be blessed with raising a sure hero. And, and Alisan says the men are not heroes, they're old fatties. None of the women I talked to felt blessed at all. And, and this argument ever at any point oh in boy. any discussion, <laughs> just realize you've lost. He says, it's just easier to let mm-hmm. this go. It's just easier to let this go. 
if you ever make that argument, what you're admitting to is laziness. Yep. <laughs> it, it's, him just wilting. He just is like, whoa. It's much too far out of range. Better just let it go. Um, we must. Uh, so Alisan fights that with, you know, all of this with why must they slake their lust on young maidens uh, who've only just pledged their love to other men? Have they no wives of their own? Are there no whores in their, their domains? Have they lost use of their hands? Ah, best line of the whole thing. <laughs> so basically, Alisan combats every argument they throw at her ably uh, and really well. Um, finally, steps in and sides with Alisan. This is not chivalric. It's supposed to prote- we're supposed to protect maidens all the time, except in this case. Uh, he says it's an old idea. You know, we don't keep bronze armor because it's old. Why is this law being kept around just because it's old? He says the lords are breaking their own marriage vows uh, that they made to the seven. Um, he says that some lords might grumble, but you'll win over the maids and husbands. And he says, hey, also the faith will appreciate it. I know I'm a Septon. The faith will appreciate you getting rid of this. So Septon Barth basically comes in and just says, hey, she's got the right of this. And so Jaehaerys uh, bends and uh, passes the law. So the law passed in short order. It's time to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Jaehaerys' coronation. So it is tourney time. People flocked from all over Westeros, from Winterfell to the Arbor. Sir Ryan Redwine of the Arbor is, in fact, the eventual champion. And crowns Queen Alysanne, the queen of love and beauty. Aww. It was autumn. There was pfter and smiles. But as you said earlier in this episode, Matt, winter was oh boy. coming. That's the end of this section. Uh, I mean, this this section is mostly about about first night, I mm-hmm. suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can we can just jump right back into that if you want. Yeah, if you've got much. I don't know that there's much to say. Alisan's absolutely right. Um, yeah. The tweet that I put out earlier is is you know it was a joke anyways, but it's also inaccurate because my tweet alluded to um, Jahari's bending once to Alisan's insistence. Right. But the truth of the matter is, and you outlined it well in your summary, is that Jaharis didn't finally give in until his bro said it was okay to give in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that it, I don't know that it had to be his bro. It It was inevitable. It ended up being, I mean, I think he would have had to give up eventually, but, but it did end up being his bro. And it's also helpful when that bro happens to be, the smartest guy around. I, I I mean, yeah. I mean, I would argue you've been, you've been in that conversation before where you're like trying to convince people of something and everybody's kind of looking to the smartest guy in the room to see what they think. And then they weigh in and the conversation's kind of over. <laughs> um, and they're like, yeah, okay. They're like, you're like, okay. what the heck? Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what I was saying. <laughs> That's what I've been trying to say. Why do you believe him now? I've been saying this for 20 minutes. <laughs> Just because he says, um, but Jaharis puts up a big fight on this. I mean, he puts up a bigger fight on this than Alaric does on the the new gift, which we'll talk about that too. Because I'm gonna oh, we'll talk about oh, that. Man. I am gonna I'm gonna rail on this. So I have feelings about it too. Oh, so good. it could be fun. I wonder if they're the same feelings or not. Mine are pedantic and silly mostly, but anyway. Oh. Um. Okay. So, 
Yeah, I mean, he he kind of fights longer than you'd think he would. And right. Do you think that's just because of his conciliatory nature? Not wanting to take the rights away, or which part? Right. Not wanting to stir the pot where he didn't have to stir the pot. He's... I think we said it earlier in the episode. Um, you know, you mm-hmm. you get both sides with Jaharis. You don't really know which side you're going to get. He staves off the madness, but you also kind of get both within him sometimes, right? He's got both sides of the Targaryen coin within him sometimes, mm-hmm. and so I, I think sometimes he's just totally willing to yep. piss people off. It's just this was not something that I guess he felt. It was a blind spot for him. The blind spot. Yep. The plight of young women isn't something that touches his conscience, I guess. It's not on his radar. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's a good point. He's uh he's so decisive at other times, right? We're gonna get yeah. to a point where he's like, Oh, Rogar Baratheon, you're gonna go fight guys down you're gonna go fight the uh, Vulture King. I'm coming with you. Decided. Yeah. Right. Here we go. And this one he's so kind of back and forth and what about this what yeah. about this and one part yeah. of me admires that he wants to make sure he looks at something from every single angle almost exhaustively so uh and maybe that's what he, his mind could have already been made up but i know i see that a lot with not a lot but i see it with certain people where they will they've already kind of have their mind made up, but they'll still play devil's advocate to themselves to just explore every single possibility. All the, I do that all the time. And it's exhausting, <laughs> right? Well, maybe. I bet people hate me, but here's here's what it does for you. It allows you to get perspectives from people besides yourself, uh, if you're doing it with mm-hmm. others, that they might articulate something slightly differently or sometimes they come up with new reasons you haven't thought of. Um for things and you can kind of tally those things in your brain as you're making the list and then you've got real justification for the decision you've made and and something that they feel like they need to stand up for and defend and then it's something you have to do less less to defend and stand up for there's a lot of reasons to do it mm-hmm. um right rather than just all... being like well i have to do this because the king said it's like right no you fought for this yeah. They're kind of manipulative, I guess, the reasons to do it, but they they do kind of serve a purpose to really get all mm-hmm. the reasons out on mm-hmm. the whiteboard. Yep. Yep. So there could have been some some method to Jaharis's madness there in seemingly yeah. take forever to and, make a decision that he may have already had made in his head. But anyway. So, yeah, I don't know that I have much more to say about that. First night is terrible. It's like, it's obvious. There's not much more that we need to say about that. So ever since I saw Braveheart, I thought that. Uh, the Braveheart was the first time I'd ever heard of it. Because, I mean, I was young when that Me came too. out. Me yeah. uh, Well, you'd have been younger. Mm-hmm. But um, what the hell were you doing watching Braveheart? I definitely should have watched it. <laughs> I definitely shouldn't have been watching it, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure I shouldn't have been. Uh <laughs> but there there actually there is there is one more thing I wanted to say about it because the story that she tells cool. is awful but I mean mm-hmm. okay the law's bad the lord is bad the poor girl yep but who are these lame ass dudes that fall out of love yep. with their new lives wives just because they get raped that's awful or for murdering the child that comes of it because it's not the what the hell man <laughs> as chloe would say get a job holy yep. cow Losers. 
Total losers. Lame ass guys. Come on. Mm-hmm. It's not her fault. Uh, okay. Uh, you want to get to the gift stuff? Yeah. What do you got? Well. Or do you want me to go with my lame things? Go with your lame things. <laughs> well, they don't need it, is the main thing. Mm-hmm. So I did some math, so bear with me. Um, it makes this... The the feeling that the Night's Watch needs the new gift makes less than almost anything else in this series, and we have magical ice walls in this series. Uh, they have like 8,000 men, right? You need roughly mm-hmm. 65 mm-hmm. square miles total to feed 8,000 men. 65 square miles total. If the original gift is even just one mile wide, and it isn't, it's more like 60, they still have 300 square miles just in the original gift. All told, with the original gift, they have about 275 times the amount. Land for food but is But some not of their it's problem. rocky and pebbly, Scad. Some of it, yeah. Their problem is... <laughs> I'm sure they have lots of problems, but the land they have is not the fucking problem. That's my that's my beef with the whole thing. You're asking Alaric to go fight for this thing that they don't even need. There's no way they need it. And uh, to back up what you're saying, to support it, um, it's a John chapter in Storm of Swords, talking about how Brandon's gift, so the first gift, had been farmed for thousands of years, but as the watch dwindled, there were fewer hands to plow the fields, tend the bees, and plant the orchards. So the wild had reclaimed many a field and hall. In the new gift, now remember, this is during Jon Snow's time, so this is much later than Jaehaerys and Alisand. In the new gift, there had been villages and holdfasts whose taxes uh, rendered in goods and labor helped feed and clothe the Black Brothers, but those were largely gone as well. They don't have the men so to farm the land. It's They couldn't, the Night's Watch, to your point, couldn't take care of Brandon's gift, much less the new gift. So Had to move them. By the end, it had all gone into disrepair. And now in the new gift, they just, well, or they, it says that their taxes, they paid taxes instead of to their liege lord, their taxes well, I guess would that's helpful. be waylaid to the night's watch. They would still pay taxes, but it would go to the watch. A percentage. Rendered in goods and labor. Mm. So they would, they would do their farming and give them part of their crop or whatever. Yeah, instead of to the Starks, which makes it all the more amazing that Alisan was able to convince Alaric to do it. Well, that makes some sense. That makes more sense because then they are getting something. They're not just getting the land. They're getting the labor and the food from that labor, right? Mm-hmm. From on the At least some of some it, of it. Yeah. a percentage. Right. And then it says, but those were largely gone as well. And I think that I didn't go back and do an exhaustive reread of Jon Snow's stuff with mm. his observations and everything. But I believe that much of that was because of wildling raids, right? That the villages became abandoned and everything is just kind of a dangerous place to live. Which there's no way Allison would have known that here and now, but mm-hmm. still, the whole thing, the whole thing stinks to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, fun little fact, and that thing that John observes that his lord father, so Eddard, had once talked about raising new lords and settling them in the abandoned yeah. holdfasts as a shield against wildlings. 
The plan would have required the watch to yield back a large part of the gift. Yeah. But his uncle Benjamin believed the Lord Commander could be one around. Yeah. So I'd forgotten about that. Those little things you forget about in the books. Now that I see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. But I wouldn't have remembered it otherwise. So Eddard had plans to get that gift back. Because he saw the disuse it had fallen to, right? Right. And so there's all these holdfasts there. Why don't we establish some lords there? And that gives Winterfell an additional layer of protection and the north an additional layer of protection after the wall because wildlings are obviously getting through. Right. As we see in the very first chapter of A Game of Thrones, yep. which I'm looking at right now. There you go. Oh. Uh, um, <laughs> anything, anything else? So I did, I did a bunch of little looking at, at this thing, and in the world of ice and fire, it doesn't say this in Fire and Blood, but it said that um, Lord Stark's brother sent letters to the Alisan. Um, letters from Lord Stark's brother were sent to the Citadel, asking the Maesters to provide precedence against the forced donation of property. Huh. So, like, Alaric is, like, saying, like, okay, we'll do this because you're the king and the queen and you're here right now. But then he's whispering to the side to his brother or whatever. He's like, can they do this? Like, find out if they could really do this because this sucks for us. (laughs) And as far as we know, the the maesters uh, either said there is, you know, they can, he's the king, he can do whatever he wants or... They should have called it like the forced gift. Yeah, no kidding. The stolen gift. The mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what? I, I thought about this a lot more than I should have, but I wonder if this was part of kind of a power move. Oh. I don't know if that's in Jaharis and Alisan to be kind of that. To, to go to that degree to establish their power. But Lord Alaric, I mean, he was charmed by Alisan and everything, right? Yep. But he given was attitude. like, he was given attitude and he was outright belligerent to, to Jaharis, right? Yeah. And yeah, for sure. I wonder if this was a way for them in part to be like, just so you know who's in charge, yeah. we're going to, just take a large chunk of your land and give it to the Night's Watch. Yeah. (laughs) And what are you going to do about it? All right, see ya. We're heading back. It was masterful the way that Alisan in particular, Jaharis did very little up there, right? It was masterful the way Alisan handled the North because she makes all these friends. She she arranges these marriages. She completely endears herself to the small folk, to the Night's Watch does all this great PR type stuff. And yet she firmly establishes Targaryen dominance. Totally. With this new gift thing. And also North of the wall, like you talked about, um, Jaharis having this thing of, well, I did this for you, Alisan. Alisan has that forever with the night's watch. If she needs an ally up there, say the Starks become truculent or something. She can always say to the Night's Watch, remember that castle I built for you? You know? Yeah, it's true. It's true, and it's funny, though, because 
Yeah, you, you don't you don't get much sense. Well, I don't get much sense in the main series that that goodwill has remained over the years. Sure. Targaryens. I mean, it's sure. been a long time. Mm-hmm. But... Right. No, I'd agree with that. Yep. She was definitely special. Yeah. And, and I, I do I I do think from everything I've seen, Alisande has a beautiful heart, but she's also a ruler and she's also got the blood of the dragon in her. And yeah. I think that she was also very much like, I've got to be a ruler and you're going to respect me as a ruler. No, she's, so. she's not to be trifled with. I mean, we're going to see that later, I think probably actually in the next episode about, you know, how she deals with J. Harris and mm-hmm. she doesn't, she doesn't give like she's, yeah. Yep. That's all I had on there. All right. We'll move on to the next section, which I call the shivers. And then the shivers came. Oh boy. And the stranger walked the land. Oh. This one was, this was, was a sad section. Um, yeah. So first of all, though, we get kind of a, an epilogue to something, or if, if we could even call it that. You may remember an episode ago or so ago, Alice Westhill, uh, Alyssa Farman, charmed slashed convinced a couple of high towers to accompany her with their own ships on her voyage across the Sunset Sea. And where we left off with that was, well, they all left. We don't know what happened to them. Well, that, it wasn't uh, Jack Sparrow's Black Pearl. No, it was the Lady Meredith, a ship that belonged to one Sir Eustace Hightower. He was one of those Hightower boys that had accompanied uh, Alice Westhill, and he had made it back. Uh, a little gaunt, a little sunburned, but um, alive. So the tale he told was both thrilling and haunting, a peaceful voyage that went south, um, the further southwest they traveled. Yeah, the more southwest they went, the more south things went. They were first battered by a lack of wind, then by raging storms, and if some can believe, hungry krakens. Some even say that the other high tower ship, the Autumn Moon, didn't sink during one of these storms, but was eaten or taken under by a kraken. Uh, Sir Eustace's lady married these storms and recovered on uh, some yet uncharted but bountiful islands before Eustace and Alice parted ways. Alice, of course, wanted to continue her adventures uh, traveling west, and Eustace was like, nope, we done, and he was ready to go back home. Now, they these bountiful islands that they'd found, they'd found some newly discovered spices and fruits, and so he wouldn't be coming home empty-handed. There, he did come home with some cool treasures potentially that he could that he could bring back to Westeros with him. Um, so he starts heading back, and they like. I, I mean, I can't say anything. I've never done the whole sea travel thing, but they like seriously overshot their target. They missed Westeros completely and ended up clear across on the other side of Westeros and decimated by disease uh, before finally he was able to recruit crew replacements from the Summer Isles and eventually limp back home. So as for Alice Westhill, though, no one knows of her fate. Uh, However, 
Corliss Valerian, our man with a plan, a Davos Finger's favorite. Yeah. Um, years later, on his second voyage, which took him as far east as a shy, claims he glimpsed an old weathered ship, and he swears that he swore was the Sun Chaser. Which he's seen, of course, so he would know. Right. What? Of course, because he was like six at the time or something. Um. But that's another story for another day, hopefully. Hopefully. Ah, book it, Scad. Alyssa Fireman is Quaith. Oh, I said Melisander. Okay. That too. Could be both. Quaith is Melisander. His Benjamin is Dario. <laughs> yeah. They're all Dario. Everyone's Dario. And Benjamin is Dario. Yeah. I did... I did some quick math. Alyssa would be about 250 years old if she was quite so, you know, or Melisandre, which Melisandre's old, right? She is. Yes. So there you go. No, but I like radio Westeros's theory. Which is? Uh, we'll have to look it up to be able to speak about it, but it, it tells of, it gives a th- a very compelling theory about Melisandre's background. I must have missed that one. I'll have to yeah. go find it. We'll throw it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. I'm being vague because I don't remember all the details well enough to talk about it myself. <laughs> I just remember being like, I you like that a like, lot. I'm convinced. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, so, so switching gears now completely to Westeros, um, where the winter following Eustace's return is honestly something he probably was like, oh my gosh, I spent three years away from Westeros, I finally make it home, and this uh, famine reigned, particularly in the north, until the stranger arrived with the shivers. Now, the shivers are a not unheard of disease in Westeros. It was thought to have been carried by immigrant rats, as it originated in docks and port cities. Now, the symptoms are that the, 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 which climaxed with blue lips and coughing up of blood, and it usually only take about one day or a little more to run its course, and only one in five people ever recovered from the shivers. Uh, there is no known cure. So the shivers just ravaged Westeros, Scad, and the effects were felt all across the land. I mean, countless small folk were taken, and uh, notables, notable Westerosi lords, George just knocks them all off <laughs> in one fell swoop. He's like, well, I'm done with Prentice Tully, so you know what? He got the shivers. He's done for. Um, Lyman Lannister got it. Donald Hightower got it. The High Septon got it. Two of the Kingsguard, including a favorite, Sour Sam, got it. Um, from the small council, Albin Macy, Carl Corbray, even Grand Maester Benefer, all fell victim to rise during this time as well, especially in King's Landing, where the gold cloak leadership void left by Corbray's death was acutely felt. Uh, another podcast favorite, Rigo Draws, uh, fell victim not to the shivers but to this time of violence um tempers were on edge and everything and he was torn from his palanquin as he rode through the streets of flea bottom 
and literally ripped to pieces. The small folk claiming he's Pintoshi. Them's the bastards that brung the shivers here. Anyways, Jaharis was so furious that when he found out who did it, uh, and it was actually one of the perpetrator's own daughters who gave up her father, along with his accomplices, uh, Jaharis didn't even allow the perpetrators to take the black, and he hung them, disemboweled from the walls of the Red Keep. Yeah. On Rego, man, quickly, just, I need that little emoji with the clapping hands. Don't travel via palanquin. Don't do it. Only bad things happen. <laughs> Especially it's not good. bottom, man. Yeah. People are starving. It's, it is an absolute right? display of slow so with the famine. and easy pickings opulence. Don't do it. But I did have... They cut off his fingers to get his rings. I would think it'd be easier to just get the ring. Well... I mean, I'm taking my ring off right now. It's really easy. But, you know, I'm roughly... I don't know. They mentioned Rego Draws has gotten fatter over the years. I'm roughly the same fatness, maybe, on my hands. I don't know. Well, I'm. I, that's what I was wondering if his if his fingers got a little porky, but I don't even have that big of fingers, but I have big knuckles. So like I'm playing with my ring right now, and I can't get it over the next knuckle up oh, to really? pull it off. So yeah, I I could if I worked it hard enough. But if a mob were attacking me and vying for my rings, I'd imagine that chopping the finger off would be easier. All right, I'll let it go. In my case, but um. Butchery. Yeah, that's gross. It's it's really interesting that George makes the common folk rise up and loot and murder pretty much every chance he can get. They're never like, oh yeah, oh, gold cooks are dead. Let's just let them get it under control and we'll have peace soon. Like, I'd love I'd love for him to address that. Like, is he talking? Is that like a, a point he's making about society in general, about lawlessness or poverty or? Hmm. Or whether it's just King's Landing or... I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, these... we got to remember at the same time of the Shivers, there's a famine going on too. And these people there are freaking is. hungry. Because of the winter, right? Uh-huh. It's winter and the prices are going up. And... And, a, and, a, and they did bring back the gate tax, reluctantly. Yes. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it... I put here that they were upset about the high cost of food, which it also says in the text. But the high cost of food wasn't necessarily Rago's fault. No. That's just you're in a time of famine. That's what happens. Right. They see a guy riding around a pallet. They're starving. Their kids have their distended bellies and everything and swollen bellies. And here's this guy with his swollen belly that is not from hunger riding around on a palanquin. Yeah. Yeah. Should we talk shivers? So first of all, I want to be the, the best the, the best dude in this whole chapter is the guy that surrounds himself with walls of flame. <laughs> I didn't mention that Life in my goals. summary. <laughs> Life goals. He, he thinks the solution to curing the shivers is to surround himself with walls of flame. They don't tell us what happened to him. 
uh, I assume he shivers to death inside the walls of flame, but uh, <laughs> it's just the image. I loved it. Desperate uh, times, man. Desperate times. The good news, Matt, I put the symptoms into WebMD and got a whole lot of nothing. So we don't have to worry about the shivers specifically. The bad news, Matt, is there is a lot of fucked up shit on WebMD that we should worry about, <laughs> including flirty at 30, giving tips on how to give yourself something called evening lips. Wait, what? I assume this came up because I put lips turning blue as one of my criteria. There's also vitamin supplements for coughing up blood, Matt. Somebody out there thinks that the solution to coughing up fucking blood is ordering up something called blue flag instead of going to the hospital. They're going to they're going to cure coughing up blood with herbs. And scariest of all to me, WebMD has a pet arm and you can get pet results through the regular search. I got a result about curing cat coughing when I typed in these these uh, parameters, which at first I hoped was the name of a really cool coughing disease that I had never heard of, <laughs> but it was really just a link to an article about someone worried about Minxie's cough. <laughs> these are all results I got. Flirty at 30, vitamin supplements, and cat coughing when I typed in these uh, symptoms into WebMD. What the fuck this has to do with WebMD, I don't know. I thought WebMD was like a reasonably respected authority on on web, you know, on, on medical matters. But it's an advertising fucking site, Matt. Mm -hmm. I was livid, and it's been maybe years since i really been there. But it was, it's so driven by money that, like, flirty at 30, Matt? Mm-hmm. I'm worried about my life here on WebMD. When when WebM when WebMD starts having features about how to touch your lips up and I was upset. Help your cat with its I... cough. <laughs> you sent the link to Brooke, didn't you? I did not. Uh, <laughs> I, I did not. I don't. I, so many jokes. Uh, I I feel like she would laugh in the face of any such articles. Indeed. That's why I love it. Should. Uh, anyway, that that's that's most of my summary on the shivers. That we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> no, we're fine. We're fine. Um, man, that is an awfully effective way to just knock out a bunch of characters, yes. though. Yeah. Right? <laughs> sure. I'm not, I'm not sure that was his is goal. Is it just George being like, I'm done with these guys? Sometimes I think like he has to knock out he has to knock out some people, so he goes back into the, you know, the, the little list of characters. And he has to pick ones that mm -hmm. sound serious, but that he knows aren't that important. Like Massey. It's like, well, he's mm -hmm. not he's not on the council anymore. He can go. But he sounds big. Tully's a big name. They'll eat that up. <laughs> Creates guys just to destroy him. Um, our word of the day is Massey-splaining. Oh, nice. When when old men like Albin Massey condescendingly and weakly try to defend outdated carnal practices that serve no purpose but to slake the lust of those of his own station and gender. <laughs> Massey-splaining. Massey-splaining. Nice. That refers to Albin Massey's weak mansplaining to Alice Ann about why nice. the first night was important. They're heroes, Matt. These are yeah. these lords are heroes. There's heroes, so don't massy explain people. Come on. Yeah, the shivers are a nasty business. Lots of lots of harm in a very short period of time. Um, oh my gosh. Well, I've got a few notes on on Eustace's journey as well. 
Um, first of all, Sakansus Mappas for Ib. Ib is, uh, it's the second biggest island in the known world. It's really far away. If you go way far east, and it depends a little bit on the map. Some of the maps are, you know, try to deal with like curvature, assuming it's like a globe or whatever. Um, like quartermaster.info, uh, which is a great map. Um, you know, they, they deal with some curvature, so it's not quite where I'm going to tell you where it is. But most of the maps, it's kind of, if you go way mm-hmm. east, like find Vaistothrak, then go straight up into the sea to the giant cluster of islands, that big in yeah. is Ib there. And I bring it up I thought the same only thing. because mm-hmm. it's mentioned. Bring it up only because it's mentioned that they see a whaling vessel from Ib way down southwest where they're traveling. And I'm wondering what the hell Ib is doing down there. And it makes me so... My brain can run for days on stuff like this. Like, is he trying to tell me something? Is, is it curved such that it's easy for the people of Ib to get there? Are they going around around over the, the top other and down? way? Yeah. So I'm going mm-hmm. crazy thinking about this. Is this a hint that the world isn't as big as we think it is and that he they sell around from the opposite way? Yeah. And have gotten there? Yeah. It some something. It feels I, I didn't I didn't I didn't go so far as to uh you know, start trying to put a map together but uh, it might put me a little crazy for similarly similarly Aegon, Rhaenys, and Visenya and I'm not talking about their original three conquerors I'm talking about the islands there's either other land under there or they split off from somewhere else and uh we have oh no I've I've forgotten his his twitter name uh that that reaches Mm -hmm. out to us all the time about uh he's got this whole continent shifting theory that uh, and i've forgotten his name now but um you know mm-hmm. yeah he, he he like there's there's either land under there or there's other close land or that they split off from or something right so th- these these islands have animals they've never seen before mm-hmm. right uh fruits they've never seen before um Anyway, there's all sorts of. I'm not going to go into the whole Darwinian approach to all that stuff, but but, but basically, like, there's those probably came from somewhere. That land came from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Right. George is tantalizing us. Yes. Yes. And it's it drives me crazy. So <laughs> I, I guess I'll leave it at that. Other than Krakens, Krakens. Yeah. I really want a Kraken to show up and take Victorian down. Can that just please happen? Oh, we're going to get Krakens. Krakens are happening. I hope so. I hope so. One might argue we just got them and that's all we're going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. George is like, the Krakens happened, Matt. They happened. Way, way south to Sothiorios. That's like, it's significantly further away than the Summer Isles. Yeah. It's like three days further east at an average pace but at their pace because they're limping along right their boat is wrecked at their pace who can even guess yeah it's way mm-hmm. far away way further east than westeros or even the summer isles right so interesting stuff there too yeah sorry go ahead i think i cut you off it would be like and you can't do this because there's just too much land in the way but it would be like 
if you were in Japan and you sailed across the Pacific Ocean and like completely missed the Americas and ended up in Africa, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it's quite that far, but yes, it's the same idea. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, yeah. I don't think I had too much more. Um, I'm just I'm just super interested to find out what happened to Alyssa Farman. The fact that George is telling us about these journeys, it seems like he's – is he just trying to reveal to us that there's a larger world? Is that the whole point of Alyssa Farman slash Alice Westhill? It feels like – to me, it feels like the whole start of this section – I think it's the start of a new section. The whole start of it is – trying to lay out some seeds or lay out some clues that if you looked hard enough you could try to find out what he's saying about there being another land somewhere mm -hmm. or about the distance between them or what actually how far you actually have to go west or you know why is ib all the way down there when they should be way up there um if it feel it feels like he's leaving clues that are meant to be either figured out or just short of figuring it out that when the last piece is resolved, you're like, ah, oh, that's the one we needed. There it was. You know? So simple. Yeah. But the uh you know the Alyssa's Quaith thing or Alyssa's Melissa it there there's there could be something there. I mean the three dragon eggs that Alyssa stole ended up being the dragon eggs that Daenerys got. Yeah, well, yeah, we think so. Right? That's what we think. So I don't know, man. That 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 thought should, probably should have come to me a while ago, but it just came to me now, and so I haven't thought it through or anything. But but she but she's not. I, it's been a while because we finished Song of Ice and Fire a long time ago now, but. I don't remember. Does does Quaith have some sort of fixation on the eggs? I don't remember this. I mean, there are dragons by the time Quaith shows up. I don't know that it's, it's if it's the eggs, but it's Danny, right? So maybe it's her being keeper of the eggs. Yeah, but she doesn't have she she didn't care about Targaryens. She stole the eggs for a ship. Mm -hmm. Maybe she feels bad about that. Ooh. Maybe she feels bad about okay. betraying her friend. Mm. Mm. She's paying a blood debt. I don't know. I don't know. By man. being a counselor that gives yeah. shitty advice. <laughs> what happened? What happened to her in a shy? How much has she changed? And like, yeah, I don't know. I don't love it, but there's an interesting connection there. I mean, I, you. We've talked about my feelings about Quaith. I don't care. Much like the Free Cities, I'm just like, whatever. I think she's a vision most of the time, and who cares right that's 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 also the big thing is uh i'm just not invested in some of these things and i i don't i used to love theorizing back in the early days of davos fingers and i still yeah. like theorizing about some things and then oh, there's a lot of things now where i'm just like i'll just wait and see what happens it's fine <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. Okay, next section. Roads. Where we're going, we need roads. Hey-o! Yeah, we need them. 
Ah, uh, okay. In this story, we do. Yeah, in this story. He bound the land together and made of seven kingdoms one. Read the words on the plinth of the old king's monument that stands at the citadel of Old Town. So the shivers are mostly abated, but the stranger wants to give one last and I suppose most heartbreaking gift to Westeros before he departs. Anything they could for Daenerys, including thoughts and prayers, soups, scalding baths, blankets, teas, even breast milk. Jaehaerys also sent word to Dragonstone that a dragon egg was needed. He should have known there would there wouldn't be time, I suppose, but he sent the word anyway. She died in a day and a half. Allison went straight to violent grief, shaking in Jaehaerys' arms. Jaehaerys went to the heart of the argument almost all humans have when they lose someone they love. How could this happen? Why would the gods take her? Mm-hmm. In this case, though, Jaehaerys' question is a little bit more scientific than one might think. For as much bunk as I think the doctrine of exceptionalism is, uh, Jaehaerys and Alicent believed it outright. It was a part of their understanding of the universe, and losing Daenerys was heartbreaking. Devastating, as always, losing a child must be, but this also shook the foundation of their faith. Targaryens did not get sick. This was fire, there was fire and blood, pox, shaking sickness, many other things. And yet, here lies Daenerys. So maybe they're just people? Mm-hmm. Don't know. Anywho. Life goes on for those that survived, and Jaehaerys has a continent to govern. So he play, replaces Kingsguard members that were lost from the Shivers as council members as well, maesters. Uh, Master of Coin, as usual, is the biggest head-scratcher. Uh, finding a replacement for Rego Draws would be difficult. While Captain Renault lines up the usual suspects, <laughs> Septon Barth finds his Kaiser Soze in the form of Martin Tyrell. Who? Or really, Martin's wife. There you go. Martin Tyrell is an idiot Tyrell, just like all of them seem to be. It's it's a weird, seemingly accepted canon for everyone in King's Landing that Tyrells are just oafish idiots. Mm -hmm. But this one married an apple counter. Uh, his wife, whose name I've... Florence Fossaway. ...misplaced a Fossaway. Their uh, incomes have increased by a third uh, since she started, since she's taken over. So they bring her along with Martin to, to do the work. Uh, Alisanne obviously took the death of Daenerys hard, but apparently there was some consoling sexual healing going on because Alisanne was pregnant within two months of her child's death. Alyssa was born later that year and seemed to much lighten Alisanne's mood. Uh, for Alyssa's part, she took after Balon, who was just one older than her. Uh, rough and tumble, she broke her nose in the yard doing some sword play. She preferred riding and climbing to sewing and reading. She's lacking the traditional Targaryen traits, but she grew into her own beauty as time went on. Also, Rogar Baratheon shows up like a bad penny in 61. He delivers some nieces and his own daughter Jocelyn to court. Uh, their mothers were all lost in the, the shaking sickness. Of course, well, uh, Jocelyn's mother was lost before. Mothers were all lost in the, the shaking sickness. Of course, well, uh, Jocelyn's mother was lost before that um, in birth. But uh, they're all motherless, and Rogar can't really take care of Jocelyn anymore because he's getting old. He's not long for the world, and he's asking for permission to go down swinging mm -hmm. against some damn fool vulture king that's just sprung up that has joined with his formerly exiled brother, Boris. So Boris and this new vulture king are raiding the Stormlands, and Rogar wants to go take care of him. Not only does Jaehaerys grant him permission, but he offers him his sword. 
but by sword he really means dragon because that's what he does he uses vermithor to scout the parties from above while rogar leads a group on the ground this vulture king was little more than an ambusher really but he knew the mountains exceedingly well and so he would just vanish into them as soon as there was any danger showing up but vermithor proved a key difference in the battle because mm-hmm. he was able to keep them from escaping you know follow them wherever they went uh so uh rogar and jaharis found the vulture king's camps and burned them one after another uh or sorry not rogar but vermithor and jaharis found the camps and burned them lord rogar meanwhile was pursuing them through the hills on foot with 500 stormlanders from the other end was coming simon dundarian that musician that previously won over alisan's heart and kept her yeah there at Mm -hmm. uh was it blackhaven yep i guessed Jaharis watched the pieces come together from above as these people are kind of marching and hemming them in. Uh, meanwhile, he's keeping watch from above to make sure they don't escape. And his dragon descends when Boris Baratheon uh, is trapped, finishing off the traitor himself to keep Rogar from being named a kinslayer. The Vulture King <laughs> followed shortly after, though, when he was trailed to an incinerated hideout, this time Rogar demanding to get the final kill. After cleaving this pathetic vulture king from shoulder to navel with his axe, Rogar was somewhat sad. No glorious death in battle for him after all. Nope. He returned to Storm's End and died six months later, surrounded by those few, very few, that loved him. <laughs> uh, some quick notes on family stuff uh, that came up as well during this time. Uh, Amon was named Prince of Dragonstone at age seven. He and five-year-old Balon apparently already had spirited sword-fighting contests in the yard. Uh, hook them on that violence while they're young. Uh, Jocelyn Baratheon and Maya Gell. Um, she's gentle, selfless, and bright. And lastly, Jaehaerys decided to embark on another cornerstone of his kingship. Infrastructure. While we've seen him make improvements before, one might start to think he was just the king of king's landing because that's where all the improvements were being made but there's a whole westeros out there that needs his help and jaharis is starting with roads westeros is full of interesting stuff with no way for people to get there there are paths and byways and stuff that people would follow and goat paths and things like that but they're not direct they were not well kept they're ruddy and muddy and narrow and worst of all they were frequently used by brigands to either rob travelers or coax them into payment for traveling the road so roads to get you to the major places quickly and safely and efficiently did not exist, especially from King's Landing, which just came up recently. So we built them, starting with the King's Road, stretching from Storm's End to the Wall. It would be the longest road built and started connecting the realm. Your tax dollars at work. Well, Jaharis bound the land together and made of seven kingdoms one. Yeah, he did, with roads. It's a funny thing to even think about it, really, right? Like, I want to go to this place. Well, how are you going to get there? Cousin, cousin, mm-hmm. you know, cousin Eustace went this way. And didn't work out so well. It took him three weeks. Try this way. Maybe it's not washed out from the rains. Like, there's no, there's no dependable way to get from, from A to B, right? So. Mm-hmm. That's true. Socialism. Yay. <laughs> uh, uh yeah the, i mean this project it should be said i mean it's a great project but it would continue forever we're still doing this project in salt lake city today in present day 
Salt Lake City today in present day for the that Jaharis started. So I was gonna say, could we could we get him over here and see if he could speed things up a little bit? Um What do you think, Scad? Do you think uh Jaharis was onto something with um dragons curing the shivers? I don't think so. Well, or is that just a father who's desperate? I looked into this a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, George really straddles the line on this a little bit. They, they, they don't seem to have died from common illnesses before in what we read, but they do enough now and in the future to prove the overall thing a fallacy. But a couple of theories have been bandied about that I've read. Um, and yeah, one of them is that they are resistant to disease and immune to it. But it's not, but this theory is not just that, you know, it takes a Targaryen's magic to wake up a dragon, but also it takes the dragon's egg and being near that dragon to wake mm. up the magic in their blood. And that because she didn't have that, Daenerys hadn't, she didn't, didn't have, have a dragon yet. You know, interesting. And so she didn't have, she didn't have that magic in her yet. That's interesting. Um, but, you know, there's, even with the, even with the, huge number of Targaryens, it's still somewhat, you know, limited scientific number of cases, I suppose. Right. Um, and be- because shortly after now, you know, in one, one thirty whatever, when all the dragons die, no one's getting eggs anymore in their cribs. So the experiment kind of ends, but, um, I don't know. It seems, seems like a stretch to me. I, 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 the experiment kind of ends, but, um, I don't know. It seems, seems like a stretch to me. I, I, I tend to think it's more, more along the lines of it's all just kind of hogwash. You know, the people that don't get sick are usually the people that, this is a, an argument people make a lot with in current day as well. You don't get sick if you can take care of yourself and have money to do so. They're that's where I landed. Isolated. Yeah. They're isolated from all of this stuff a lot of the time. Of course, so, they're not getting sick. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. You know. I. So that that's mostly where I land. But. Um. You know, some one of them. One of the arguments I saw was just like, well, it's just genetics. Some of them are immune to disease, and some of them aren't. It's a fucking widow's peak. Get over it. Mm-hmm. You know, which feels just too convenient to me, um, right? And maybe they introduced enough like gene confusion that sickness was an option now. Though I guess it should be noted that they both married to kind of like special houses. Valerian is Targaryen light, and the ha- the High Towers are, you know, obviously they've been their blood has been quote unquote corrupted over the centuries by hundreds of non incestuous marriages, but they were Dawnish, so they're special too in their own way. Um, so you know, did they did they introduce just enough that it's now possible that that it happens? And yeah, as they've continued to marry out, you know, if they become less immune, I don't know, dilutes it more and more. Yeah, maybe. Mm. You do wonder if the uh, collision course that Danny and Jon Snow seem to be on, if there's some sort of between this Daenerys and Daenerys in the main series. And the cold affecting her. I don't know. I haven't really thought it out. But like, 
something with the cold, something with the shivers, something up north, grabbing Danny eventually. I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah, it, it would be it would be a good, yeah, like, I don't know if metaphor is the right word. Um, but yeah, a good literary device to kind of tie these two together by name and hint at, mm-hmm. at Danny's demise somehow. Yeah, it seems she seems destined to at least confront the cold, confront the ice, right? Right. And what effect will that have? And she on didn't her? have this. Mm-hmm. This Daenerys didn't have her dragon, but the other one will. So maybe she'll overcome The other it. one will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and prove Jaehaerys right. Yes, Jaehaerys, the prognosticator. <laughs> um, so yeah, lo- lots of thoughts on that, but. That's kind of where I like Cool. It. Interesting. Very good. Mm-hmm. I like that idea of tying the two Dannys together thematically. I mean, it feels feels maybe like he's trying to do that. I just feel like, you know, in 25 years, when we have the Winds of Winter and A Dream of Spring, we're going to look back on Fire and Blood and just find all sorts of stuff that was leading us on. Like, like oh, yeah, that and that and that and that. You might. At 65, I plan on being completely senile. <laughs> hey, Davos Fingers is going to continue. We're going we're gonna to redo Fire and Blood in the context of all the books being finished. And our whole point is going to be able to mine the nuggets, the hints that George was giving us all along. Maybe we can pass it on to our kids. I don't know if I'll be, if I'll be able anymore. Yeah. Uh, Chewie yeah. and Mary will, will, will hand the crown off to them. Um, this was, uh, if unless I'm mistaken, the first time that we have seen Jaehaerys uh, actually participating in actual real battle. Yeah. And obviously most of it was from Dragonback. But he did prove himself uh, cutting down old Boris. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I don't know how capable Boris was, but Baratheons usually are. Um, usually do a good job on the field of battle. Yeah. Yeah, and we know Jaehaerys was trained and trained really well. Yeah. Um, the, the, was it, I can't remember the captain of the guard's name, but his money was on Jaehaerys beating Magor in one-on-one combat. Um, but, it, but at perfect time. It's been a while that you've been in power. You haven't had to flex at all. This is a small little thing. Go flex once and just remind everyone like black fires here. I have it. I can use it. Don't make me. Yeah. That's what I put down too. It was great PR for him, especially to the quote unquote martial Lords. Um, the, both the ones that could end up being a little rebellious to show, hey, I can do this, but also to the ones that are maybe a little more war-oriented, a little more warrior-y yeah. inside the rough-and-tumble type lords, the veterans of battles lords, who might be thinking that Jaehaerys is kind of a, a softy, a guy. He is just for his way to show them that, yeah. guys, look what I can do. I can build roads, and I can cut down rebels too. Yeah. But imagine he loses that fight. And then anyone's ever is just saying, like, what the hell was yeah. he doing? Idiot. 
idiot. Yeah. You were the best of us, Jay Harry's. Yeah. You were the only one that could build roads. Lots of them can fight. Let them fight. Yeah. That's not your job, man. Stay in your lane. Well, to some degree, I mean, it, it's it's maybe a, a metaphor for for him being willing to, to mm-hmm. fight or something. Yep. But Protector of the realm. If he fights, he's going to be doing it with the dragon. Mm-hmm. So it is a little weird that he felt like he had to like yep. get down and do it with his hands. But, you know, sometimes you need to prove things to yourself mm-hmm. as well. Maybe he felt like that's, he needed to do that's that. Ex- We've been doing this for five years, and our thoughts are going the same direction. That was going to be my very next point. It was good for Jaharis to help him get his swagger yeah. back. After you know, shivers, yeah. he couldn't do anything about the famine. He couldn't do anything about the shivers. He can do this. And in fact, the quote was, um, "Against the shivers, I felt I was helpless. Against the vulture, I was a king again." Yeah. So I think this was a great way for for him to break free of those feelings, any feelings of helplessness or mediocrity that he'd been feeling and get his head back in the game. How Jay Harris got his groove back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look for it in theaters. Indeed. Uh, that was a long section, but I don't have a ton else. No parent should ever have to, should have to bury their child. Yep. Beautifully delivered line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernard Hill. Theoden King, beautifully delivered line. A tragedy is so common, it's tropey now, though, right? The parents burying their own yep. children. It's the hour of the owl. None of this timing makes sense. Have you ever tried to like piece together the hour of the wolf and the hour of the owl and stuff? I think it's on the wiki somewhere. It is, but it doesn't but add up. None of it's significant enough to me to care for me to care. Like, give me a number, George. Yep. Just give me a number. <laughs> Yeah. Two o'clock or three o'clock, okay? All right, let's move on to the last section here. All children are special. The quote is, Sir Lucamore, you swore a sacred vow before gods and men to defend me and mine with your own life, to obey me, fight for me, die for me if need be. You also swore to take no wife, father no children, or remain chaste. If you could shrug aside the second vow so easily, why should I believe that you would honor the first? That's a fun story. Um, getting to that one. Indeed. But first of all, kids, kids, kids. Yeah. Uh, gone. Quiet. Not interested in physical activity at all. Loved reading. Uh, a year after that, you get oh. Daella. Delicate, shy, tongue-tied. Three years after Daella, you get Sierra. A trial from the start. Tempestuous, demanding, disobedient. Said no often. Loved detention. Um, and then four years after Sarah, you had Visera. Sly, vain, beautiful, said to have perfect Targaryen features. All right. You got one more little boy born two years later, Gamon, named after Gamon the Glorious, who, but unfortunately Gamon died at three months old. That would have been, that was the uh, 11th child, right? If I'm counting correctly. It's a lot. Jaharis and Alisam. The family grew in other ways as well. And Sixth Ward, Jocelyn Baratheon, Skad mentioned that, uh, you know, things were, they were hitting it off. Um, they were married two years later in a splendid wedding. Uh, Jocelyn was tall, beautiful, regal. 
there stands the future of the realm, said uh, Sir Giles Morrigan, as he saw Jocelyn and Amon together. They looked the part of future rulers. But not to let marriage slow him down, Amon received his knighthood a year later and also became a dragon rider of the fierce Caraxes. Balon, who it turns out has some major little brother syndrome, uh, sees Amon doing all these things and decides he needs to do them as well. So he set out to earn his knighthood a year earlier. If Amon's going to do it at 17, Balon's going to do it at 16. Dang it. Which he did at a tourney in Old Oak. Went and claimed a dragon of his own, this time Visenya's Vagar. Always got a one-up. Balon is a one-upper. Um, yeah. Good at it. Apparently, that's not bad. So you're going to earn your spurs at uh, 17. I'm going to do it at 16, and I'm going to do it as a mystery knight. Oh, and then I'm going to go get uh, Great Grandma's dragon. Great Grandma, right? No, just Grandma. No. <laughs> well, not really Grandma because uh, it's like it's like she's not Visenya's. Yeah. It's not Visenya's line. Great Antish. Aunt. Oh boy. Or just Antish. Yeah. Antish. Harumph. Um, Mayagel was given to the faith at 10 years old, and she seemed totally cool with it. She was down with this. Um, in other news, uh, we mentioned this before, but Reyna dies about this time. She dies the same year that Gaemon is born and dies. Um, despite this tragedy in 73 AC, where we had Reyna and Gaemon die, TMZ in Westeros had a field day with the infamous Lucamore Strong scandal, aforementioned by the Scaddy. Beloved by pretty much all, the amiable Kingsguard Knight was found to have made more vows than to just the Kingsguard, being secretly married, or at least in a relationship, with at least three women, and he had no fewer, Scad, than 16 kids between the three of them. Uh, when his transgressions were discovered, Lord Commander Giles Morgan recommended Lucamore be put to death. Jaharis may have even given it to him, just a nice, clean, quick death. But in his plea for mercy, Lucamore struck a chord, and not a good one, with the king by saying simply, spare him for the sake of my wives and children. The king kind of took this, uh, it's written, as Lucamore throwing his crimes in his face. And if he couldn't keep, uh, Scad, you read this quote, but if he couldn't keep his vows of chastity, how could Jaehaerys be sure that Lucamore would keep his vows to protect him, the king, even to death? And what's more, Alisan spoke up, he couldn't even keep his vows individually to the wives he'd unlawfully married, even if the ladies knew he was a member of the King's Guard. So anyways, they get all this out and sentences passed. He was to be sent to the wall, not only sent to the wall, but gelded first and then sent to the wall. Uh, two of his sons, older sons, elected to join him there while daughters were given to the faith and the smaller children were allowed to remain with their mothers. All three mothers were taken into the care of other lords, uh, although the children would forever bear uh, bastard names. 
thus ends the uh, tantalizing tale of Sir Luke Morstrong. Uh, bring, it on, bring it on to Jamie. Yep, here we go. That is true, isn't it? As far as I'm concerned. Vows and more vows and vows and vows and vows. And all that crap. Uh, for Jaharis and Alessand's seventh and eighth born children, the aforementioned Vagon and Diella. Yeah. These two were a challenge, to say the least, for the expert marriage arranger Alessand. They just simply were not a good fit. Vagon's personality was frankly dour. Uh, he was kind of a jerk. And Diella's quiet and frightened demeanor, it just wasn't going to work. The the book calls it a mutual dislike. Vagon, as it stands, seemed to have zero interest in girls, and they in him. He preferred only his books. Uh, you know, his family tried to teach him to fight. Jaharis, you know, basically uh, gave Balon the go-ahead to teach Vagon how to fight. And he worked with him for over a year, but things only seemed to get worse. And after one incident where his older sister Alyssa shamed and humiliated Vagon, threw down his sword, never, never to pick one up again. So as you can see, it's hard raising uh, uh, double digit kids. And um, that is where we are going to, to leave off now with this is with that more to come later on the fate of the uh, Jaharis and Alisan family, but that's all for now. So I wonder, Matt, if you're if you're parenting ire, if your hackles were raised as much as mine reading this last bit mm. about Vagon and uh, shoot, which one was it? Diella. <laughs> that one. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Who cares? <Were> you... <laughs> I mean, too many names. Uh-huh. Uh. I mean, Vagon's a dick. Let's, you know, call a spade a spade. But yep. some of this is just flat-out bad parenting. Mm-hmm. And, and this is coming from a parent that I do some bad parenting. Just today I carried my five-and-a-half-year-old out of his karate test because he was giving me attitude, and I basically made him quit karate. It was not a good moment. Um, and I'm not proud of it. <laughs> but but in, in, in part, part of me feels like I'm I'm helping him. Um say goodbye to something that's Mm -hmm. not working for him but they first of all alisan just take a chill pill with the damn marriages they're 10 yep if it's not working out at 10 give them a few years let them figure it out see what Mm -hmm. happens let them figure it out you can't pressure kids like this let him read let vagon read let him grow why doesn't he be promised at 10 make him fight are you kidding me how about embrace and encourage yeah. what he's good at yep. instead of make you know don't make him feel guilty for what he's good at. Let him figure it out. Why mm-hmm. you know they encourage uh, Mayagel to to be part of the faith and and do all that. Why is why is she encouraged but Vagon is not? Again, I get that he's a dick. Oh good, let's embarrass him in the yard by having his sister beat the crap out of him. That's gonna help his morale. Like this is just bad. It's it's one after another of just bad parenting, in my opinion. And it's. No, you're going to fit the mold we want you to fit. Now, with Mayagel, it's almost like they got lucky because she happened to be this very 
sweet, kind, loving girl who was very religious and had a lot of faith. So it just so happened. Oh, how perfect. You know, the, the what does she say? The Alice Ann say the gods blessed us with so many children. It's only right that we give one back. And so it, it kind of fit in with her agenda a little bit almost. Um, and but, so it, it but, like worked. But parents shouldn't but, have agendas for their kids. Exactly. You, you're 100% right. And I totally agree with you. Like, the agenda like should be the agenda should be what who are you, child? Who are you really? I want to know so that I can help you become that person. And I leave it at that. Become. Become who they want to be. Become who they should be or they feel they should be. Like I just want to help them become. And not fit into a mold of mm-hmm. easier, easier said than done when you're, yeah, yeah I've, I've I mean, been there. I've been there <laughs> in karate class too, actually, Scott, isn't this, isn't karate supposed to teach them some, well, mine was Taekwondo, but <laughs> discipline. <I> mean, <laughs> Mary has all sorts of problems with, he, he just, he, when he gets, when something gets him upset, he doesn't recover well. Mm. And he was upset by, of all things, his belt not being the way he likes it. Oh. We tried about 12 Buddy. times to retie his belt in a way that would suit him better. Anyway, the story's boring. I know no one wants to hear my kids' stories. But in the end, like, I, you know, he's running around the place. And then we get uh-huh. his socks off and he's like, I can't, I can't do it my foot hurts it's like what no you're doing this you can do this you're already and he's just crying and screaming and you know i brought him home and the whole ride home i'm stewing I actually took the long way home like i drove extra because i didn't i wasn't ready to get home and deal with it with him and so when i got home finally you know yeah. i just went into his room and read with him and like, I was furious. I've never, maybe ever been more angry with him than I was today. But I was just like, look, it's, yeah. what am I going to do? Be angry at him his whole life about this? Like, he's just going to, it's just going to sour our whole relationship forever. Like, let's focus on some things that we do together well, you know, and try to heal this thing and see. And, you know, I don't know if it was the right thing, but, you know, go read with Vagon. Go sit with him. Talk to him about something that interests him. I know he's a pill, but he's 10. Your kids, Luke and Leia are almost 10, right? Yep, they are 10. Like, they just turned 10 recently then, right? Mm-hmm. This year. No, this year. Mm-hmm. I thought it was recent. Well, last year, technically. Yeah, 2019. Yeah. 10. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're not done growing. Are they the people they're going to be yet? No. Hope not. Dagon's not anywhere near the people <laughs> that he's going to be, the person he's going to be. Anyway, we've harped on it for long enough. I just this is a theme for me with Jairus and Alisan, who I like a lot. I know everyone likes them a lot, but I kind of think they're shitty parents. Well, they had ideas for what their kids should be. That's what it came down to, and they were so in control with everything else. Jairus was so decisive. He was such a decisive ruler. That's one of his hallmark qualities: is that he was able to make a decision and just go for it. And yeah, very practical and and everything 
and yeah it it that 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 is kind of it goes in the face of what you did of recognizing you know what this isn't what my kid doesn't need my anger right now my kid just needs me and spending that time that you did with him can can you just hear it in my voice i'm just exhausted today by we've been there buddy (laughs) like been there it's 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 a fine line right because it's like if my kids would just we you know i've told you this before with with luke we've had trouble finding like the perfect thing Mm -hmm. for him like his thing that he likes Mm -hmm. and so it's like dude if you would just give this an honest shot i know you'd like it i know you'd like it but uh, again that's me projecting onto him still right and so it's it's like it's so hard to know when it's time to let it go and walk away because you, you, you're like, Oh man, if you just stick with it for a month more, you'd fall in love with it. I know you would buddy, but it's like, okay, but is that really what he needs or is this what I want him to need? And so it's tough. Yeah. For the longest time, I, I worried about being a parent that just pushed them too hard into things. Uh, and now I worry that I don't push them hard enough. I'm like, well, if you don't push them at all, they won't do anything. They'll just sit around. Like, you know, you gotta, that's fine line. Anyway, moving on from our family lives. Uh, man. How about, how about, how about this Lucamore stuff? Yeah, like when when did he have that was my thought too. When does he have time to go out cavorting and running three families? Like, I mean, there's there's seven, right? Seven Kingsguard. Yeah, and, and the way I understood like, it was like that. Pretty much only like one guy was off at a time. Like they built their ships like. that way or something. So he's off like one day a week, on average, right? Or maybe they, you know, maybe it's like three days, you know, for and then you get multiple days on or something, right? Fireman, yeah, something like that, right? But let's just say it's one day a week, just for easy math. So that means. He goes three weeks without seeing one of those families, right? And then he gets a single day with them. That's would be ideal. <laughs> Not for these dads. Not for you no. and I, but... <laughs> yeah. No. Some dads are out there like, this is the perfect anyway. situation. <laughs> Sorry, it just goes along with our theme that we've kind of built over this episode of Blind Spots, right? That... yeah. Everyone loved Lucamore. He was the guy that yeah. small folk and the king and everyone thought was a great guy. Um, but yeah. Nope. And on one hand, I'm like, was he really that bad? He was, he was sexually promiscuous. But in a way, yeah, man. Because you had responsibility to these kids. Mm-hmm. And you swore vows. And to the king. And to the king. And it's one of those things where you're pulled in so many directions that you just can't do a good job at any one thing you can't be a good dad you can't be a good husband and you can't be a good kingsguard member and and it wasn't like reyna it was him just being a horn dog so yeah well they they send his families off to live to be taken care of by others and right Mm -hmm. one of the places they send they send families to is bywin strong at harrenhal Mm mm-hmm and I started thinking that I wonder if one of these bastards could be Alice Rivers. Mm. Good thought. 
I that didn't even enter enter my mind. Alice Rivers, for those that maybe don't remember, is mm-hmm. the woman that ends up um, she ends up being a partner and an influencer of oh geez, gonna misplace the name. Oh, the, um, the, the one that kills the the younger brother over Stormbreaker Bay. Oh geez. Uh yeah yeah uh Amond 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 One Eye yes she ends yeah. up being the lover of Amond One Eye and people say he's a witch and there's the whole age thing where they're like well she seems forty but she seems younger well forty would put her forty or fifty would put her kind of in range um mm-hmm. so I thought you know maybe hmm. maybe she's one of these uh I don't have anything else just maybe well and and it made it a point there's a sentence there in Fire and Blood. That those all those children, despite being taken in by lords, would continue to bear bastard names. Yeah, I don't have any more evidence other than rough. Because t- when did this happen? In seventy something. This was seventy three. Yeah, so it's still a little early, actually. She, mm. She'd be like in her sixties then. Mm-hmm. So maybe it doesn't work out too well. Okay. Okay, moving on. I like it. Uh, you got anything else? I don't know that I have much to move on to. Sarah Targaryen. Mm, we'll probably cover that. Well, we probably already covered it. Yeah, she has a whole thing. Yeah. Getting yeah. Quite rebellious, right? She's the rebellious one. There's the one a few rebellious runs ones. Off to she's, she's the worst one, yeah. She, she gets sent to the faith and then she escapes from there. And yeah, so she, you know, yeah, she's she's problematic. There's there's people latching as soon as as soon as Fire and Blood came out and we found out about Sarah, started thinking about her being, you know, that that Sarah, you know, um, the other Sarah, uh, Illyrio's Sarah, uh, ended up being like her descendant. Right. Yep. Or or Varys maybe a, a descendant of, of Sarah. Sarah. Or Moonboy, for all I know. Who mm-hmm. cares? I mean, it's 200 years. It's 200 years Dario, later. It's like, yeah, does it yeah. even matter? Again, it's one of those yeah. that's like, well, I'll just wait and find out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think I don't think I have much, much else here. Well, I think we've arrived at the end of this episode then. We have. And thank goodness, because it's 1230 on a Monday. So. It is. Yeah. Ready to sign off. We were aligned in our sign-offs, right? Yes, aligned. Yes, we lost. We lost the great Neil Pert uh, on Friday. Uh, that's the tenth uh, of January, and uh, so mine is just a lyric uh, that he co-wrote, actually, uh, from a song called "Closer to the Heart." The blacksmith and the artist reflected in their art. They forged their creativity closer to the heart. Hmm. That's lovely. Thanks, Neil, for all your words and rhythm. Yeah, one of the, uh, if not the best rock and roll drummer of all time. I'm partial to one. He's close. Carter Beaufort of the Dave Matthews Band. But really, I'm not interested in comparing them at one or two. Neil Peart was amazing. He was legendary and uh, and also quite the the lyricist as well, Um, which is a unique combination in, in music. The point of the journey is not to arrive. Thanks, Neil. And thank you, Kalasar, for listening. Yep.
We'll catch you all on the flip, guys. Here we go. Matt and Scad, episode 93, take three. <laughs> you know what? Let's just put this in the outtakes and say, Kalisar, episode 93 has been one for the ages. Uh, it really, and not in a good way. <laughs> due to computer issues and, yeah, pretty much just computer issues. This is now our third go at uh, recording this episode. We recorded about, what, 45 minutes of it uh, on Friday night, right? It's about an hour, but that included our kind of warm-up discussion time where we ask how the families right. are and everything. Then then things died. Com- computers crapped out. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I spent a reasonable amount of my Monday uh, with two computers, my work computer and my home computer computer trying to get technical support to find the file that supposedly recorded from Friday that was not on my machine anywhere I could locate. Found it. Thought it was okay. So we tried to pick up where we left off. Which we did last night. Yeah. For two and a half hours. Got the last two and a half hours of the episode done or so. Probably about two hours once it's all edited. I mean, you can, yeah, you can call it done, but the quality was garbage, and you had to edit it all together, which took a bunch of time. I it's guess it's still still, still going, happening. still happening. It's still happening, which it's I very much so. Which I'm sorry for. And so here we are again, because when you were editing, what you found was that the first track, even though I did recover it with support of the company who the call call recorder, the company that I use. Uh, the app that I use to record, it only had my. Even though we've done back to, yep, to yep. try again. This is this is like kind of like explaining our reading order right now. I was trying to explain this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the summary is, I think I'll be getting a new computer very soon. And oh down my gosh! Back. So Ooh. what you just heard, Calisar. The first part of it was actually recorded three or four days after the last part. So, but we're professionals, Matt. They're not going to know the difference until they get to the yeah, end of the episode and hear this. They'll be like, "I didn't even mm-hmm. notice, yo." <laughs> Hopefully, they say "yo." If you said "yo," <sighs> tell us. All right. To be fair, I feel like I've got more energy tonight than I did last night. Oh, really? I don't know why that is. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Old Maddie is dragging. <laughs> <laughs> Dramatic pause. And I think I think that's yeah, where I do I it. Think right? We're good, man. Was that good? Okay. Okay. All I, right. Yeah. I think so. Okay. I will now go try this fucked recording and make sure it's okay. Oh gosh. So I've been taking baby steps to get better about putting myself out there and uh, shared it with you. Shared. If you want to hear Matt's music, let us know. I'll send you a link to it. All right? It's out there. It's on tape. I've said it. 
you can listen it's on tape yep. what i'm saying is me me putting it out there me saying i will let people listen to my music not as if i'm allowing them to it's not even that i will yeah people can listen to my songs if they want to and because matt likes me he shared it with me a little early i hope you don't mind me sharing this mm. uh and you guys are gonna want to listen to it uh mm, he's got some really cool stuff from a perspective you don't hear very often um and uh yeah some really original takes on some things that happen in everyday life you know guy meets girl kind of stuff but a unique take and uh you guys you really should you really should get it it's really good thanks yeah good for you good for you it's good stuff thanks gad get over my crippling anxiety of sharing my music with other people